Chani. I'm at Lottie's. And you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. And I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts. Uh, welcome to episode 235. You guys, you, you just did it. You did the thing. You finished the season premieres. You have done it. Congratulations. What a ride. What a, what ride, a ride, right? Yeah, definitely. What a so, ride. We are discussing the episodes you just watched, just watched. You just finished the premieres. You're in your feels. You're tuning in. We're covering <laughs> the season premieres. Okay. So we just kind of want to dive right in. I mean, I, I, yeah, there's, there's a little news, but like, I just, I got feelings. Yeah. Lots of feelings. Oh, so many feelings. Okay. So let's just dive right into the news. We have episode descriptions for episodes three. Episodes three. So they're airing on, or I shouldn't have done that without the math, October something. It's October 5th. Yeah. October 5th. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Chicago Med 803. This is called Winning the Battle, but Still Losing the War. Okay. Charles and Cuevas clash over the treatment of a paranoid patient. Choi treats a pregnant patient from Asher's past. Marcel and Taylor help a man who need a risky neurosurgery. Not a lot going on here. No, but like, why is Crockett now? He's like, all of a sudden he went from general surgery to transplant surgery, and now he's doing neurosurgery. Like, what is going on? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't I mean, know. Granted, he may not be the one doing the surgery. It just says they help a man who needs risky neurosurgery, but like, still. <laughs> it's like they throw any kind of surgery related things, mostly. They're just like, Crockett, you handle it. Yeah. But yeah. All right, so Fire 1103 is called Completely Shattered. Kid recruits Carver, Cap, and Tony to help her help prepare her new lieutenant quarters. Severide and Detective Prima reluctantly pair up to work a police investigation, and Firehouse 51 comes together to fight a movie theater fire. Okay. I'm here for Carver, Cap, and Tony, like working to build Stella her new quarters like that just sounds hysterical yeah and where are they gonna be I don't I I don't know well I don't understand why she just hasn't moved into the um where Pelham was like in the blue what was the oh in the blue blue room yeah yeah because like Pella moved in there so why can't Stella just move in there right but like even in this episode she's like setting up in the briefing room and I'm like why like, I don't understand. There's an open office. Yeah. So um, questions. It was also really funny. I've heard a lot of people, obviously we saw, we're recording this early. We've seen the episodes early. So we knew who Detective Primo was and like made that connection and why Severide and Detective Primo were like reluctantly pairing up together. Obviously we know, we all know now at this point, but it was just funny to see fans speculating over the last couple of days, like what that meant and like, who Detective Primo was and like why reluctantly and everyone's like he's playing fire cop but not with you know Seeger and I'm just like it was just funny because like we knew and obviously no one else did and it was just really funny that's the hardest part with the screeners man it's so hard I was like can't say yep so 
And then PD-1003, this is called A Good Man. Um, this is rumored to be Jesse Lee Soffer's last episode. I'm already not ready. I'm, I'm not ready not either. Ready. Yeah, this is rumored to be the last episode. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? He was on set the other day. To hang out. I think so, yeah. I mean, we, we, just, we just don't know. We don't know. Okay, this is, says, the team investigates a string of brutal pharmacy robberies and Halstead connects with one of the victims about their army careers. Upton suspects there's more to the story and confides in Voight. Okay, there's been a lot of speculation based off this that Jay's going to re-enlist. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't know. I have so many questions. Because if you told me, especially now that we've all seen the premiere... I would say that seems kind of crazy and kind of way out of left field. But like, then when you add in the fact that like Upton suspecting there's more there and like she's talking to Void about it, I I don't know. I don't know anymore. I just I think this makes me more confident in the fact that I was already pretty confident. Like I don't think they're killing him off. Mm-mm. Like that is nothing about this description or the episode that we just watched. Like nothing about that says we're killing off Jay Hall said. Which like thank God I probably can handle it a little bit better if i if they don't kill him off but like if they killed him off that was that'd be a whole other level i don't think i can handle oh no same Um, same. but at least this way i can still like grasp it a little bit better but i just i don't know anymore i don't know yeah and and we'll discuss it more in the pd section i know after this premiere i was slightly more at peace with it but by slightly i mean like really not much but we also then we watched the premiere and then this episode description came out. So I had one thought, you know, when we first watched the premieres, mm-hmm. I had one thought and I was like, okay. And then now they threw in the whole army stuff. And I was like, okay, I don't know anymore. Like it like already has me confused. He, I don't think he would reenlist because then it's not just him leaving the unit. It's him leaving Haley. Well, and I was having this conversation. I don't even remember with who with recently, but like, I was having this conversation and a lot of people have said that like, you know, they have the theories about the army or like him going undercover because it's the only way to explain him being gone and like not seeing him. Because if you were to just say, oh, he took over another unit. Yeah. Okay. We wouldn't see him as much, but chances are we would run into him again at some point. If he took over another unit and just became sergeant of another unit, if you have him go undercover or rejoin the army, you know, then it it makes up for being like Jay's not around right now, and Jay's not around for a long time. But then also, I don't, I don't think personally that Jay would just like you said up and leave Haley either. I I don't know. Like I said, I'm all sorts of confused, and we will talk about it more when we get to PD section. But I'm all sorts of confused. I hate that this is the conversation we're having. I hate it. I know. I'm I like every moment of it. Yeah, and the fact that we have to talk about it every week sucks. It really yeah. sucks. And that's an understatement. It sucks. Yep. Yep. <sighs> but again, yes, we will talk more when we get to the PD portion. Um, that's all the news we've got. Um, as always, you guys know the drill. Uh, you know, if you see stuff, send it to us. And we are recording this in the past, obviously. So there will be more news between the time we're recording this on Sunday afternoon and Wednesday night when you're listening. But, you know, just keep your eyes and ears any, And then if there's anything newsworthy, then we'll, of course, cover it the week after. But yeah. there yeah, may I mean, be stuff that's newsworthy at the time and we don't consider relevant next week. I mean, there, you know. Yeah. You know how it is with premieres. There's all kinds of, like, postmortems and all kinds of stuff that come out. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And um, don't forget, by now, you've already heard our interview with Miranda. 
Yes. And you've already seen all our other interviews too. Right. From, from the press junket. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It hasn't happened yet for us, but it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. We're just assuming it was fun. Yeah. (laughs) But our say what game was really fun. We haven't recorded that at this point, but that was really fun. I can't believe how good Christian was. Yeah. And Benjamin for just guessing 99% of the time, he did really well. He did do really well. For just Although, I guess you can say he didn't technically guess the one that was his own quote. No, but, and I don't think, I think the Voight one was pretty obvious, but the Haley and Jay ones, if you don't know anything about the show, I don't feel like those are that obvious. Mm-hmm. So he did pretty good. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. Alrighty. It's time to jump into the premiere, shall we? Let's do it. All right. I, wow. I can't <laughs> believe we're, we're, we're back to this point now. Okay. We're going to start with Dylan. Med, to me, was my favorite premiere of the three. Favorite or strongest? Because that is not the word you used the other day. You used strongest the other day. I thought about this a little more when I was prepping to record. Uh I think all around, in terms of like premiere quality, all around premiere, I think fire was great. I think in terms of quality and wow factor, Med wins. Interesting. I still would disagree I think med is still really good but I to me I think fire was not only my favorite but fire to me and maybe it's because there's so much happening in med and they introduce new characters and characters leave and characters come back like there's like a lot happening I think for me fire is just like steady like it is the show that we love it is it it felt like the show that we love it just fire to me was like yeah that's what I expected from fire and Med had a little too much going on for me. Like, I still thought it was, it handled it all, I think, pretty well. But there's, like, so much happening and so much change coming that I was just like, okay, this is a lot. Even for being a premiere and even for it being Med, this is a lot. And there are parts of Med, like, I really could have cared less about the um, Dr. Charles Nelly stuff. Like, I, I did not think that was needed at all this episode. Yeah, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. But in terms of like twists and turns, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then PD was. We're not going to. Mm. Uh-uh. It is definitely okay. much like fire and med, like a one and two. And then PD's PD a distant way, third. PD's yeah. like a distant third. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yep. 100%. Okay. So let's start off with Dylan. Let's start off with Dylan. Okay. So we pick up this premiere right where we left off. Yep. Right where we left off. Will and Dylan are in that fiery hallway. They're like, oh shit, what are we going to do? So Will's like, let's go back into the other room. Cool. Let's do that. They go back in and Will sticks his head out the window and because he hears, you know, the sirens and everything coming. Herman and Brett show up to save the day. I love, first of all, I love that we got like another little crossover. That was fun. But it was really funny when I think about it. And like, you were so convinced from the promo that it was Gallo. Because like, we normally don't really think about Herman being, you know, Herman to us is engine, which means water. So like putting out the fire, but not going in and doing the rescuing. Not anymore, at least not since he moved to engine. But it was just so funny when Herman showed up and I was like, Oh, like that's Herman on the ladder. I was like, that's definitely not Gallo. No, no. And I mean, it's not that I was convinced. I just, I definitely like, you know what you do when the promo comes out and you analyze it frame by frame yeah. and you pause and you zoom in. And I mean, you're yeah. not going to get any like concrete info off of it, but really it's just fun. Well, and uh, it also was really nice to see Herman and Brett because when we first see Herman, I was like, oh, I hope we see Ritter because obviously her- with 
Herman usually comes Ritter, but I was like, they're probably not going to do a two person like crossover. I was like, they're not, we haven't gotten back to that level yet. Like we're not doing that. And then we didn't get Ritter, but then, you know, we pan and we get Brett. And I was like, this is just such a nice surprise after yeah. like barely getting any little crossovers the last two years. Like this was a really nice little surprise. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about it more with the other shows too, but it looks like we might be getting back to that where like somebody pops up on another show every week and Right. Nice. Or at least most weeks. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I, I love it. I, this is why we love these shows and I get why they haven't done it. You know, the last two years, obviously, of course, but like, if we can't get a big crossover, this is what we want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, Brent and Herman show up to save the day. Will goes to med with Hannah more about that in a minute. Will goes to med with Hannah. Dylan stays behind to look for Joe and he finds her and it's not good. No, it's She's not like good. basically dead almost. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and even then when he finds her, the first thing she says, she's like, it's not your fault. Yeah. Not your fault. So Crockett does what he can to save her. It doesn't work. She doesn't make it. I love the, I, what I love about this moment though, is the, the pan out. So, you know, Crockett calls it and the camera pulls back and you see everybody in the background, whether it be like them in focus, them blurred in the background, they're all there. I yeah. love that shot. Yeah. That was good. Um, and then how like Dylan like walks down the hall and turns and then Hannah's there. And then he walks past Dr. Charles. Like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm starting to realize that I'm a big sucker for the found family trope. I think it just took me like 10 seasons to get to that point. You just figured that out. I could have told you that about, out. I could have told that about you like a long time ago. No, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just figured that out about myself. Like, and the shows have been on for like 10 years. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. The thing that I like, I mean- Obviously, because Din ends up with Dylan is clearly a wreck, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that in two seconds. But like the thing that you know, we said all last year, and I still don't know how much. Like, I don't understand where Dylan's feelings came for. Like, I still don't necessarily personally believe that like it was that strong. Like, it just didn't. I never really understood their connection, and really believed that it was like true love. But clearly. Dylan felt differently, and like you have in the outline, like I do really appreciate the fact that like. Yeah, Dylan probably shouldn't fall have fallen for a patient, especially in this kind of weird police med adjacent circuit, whatever that whole weird situation was. But like nobody harped on him for that. Like it was just like clearly Dylan was in love with this girl, which again, I don't understand, but he was. And it is what it is. And like Dylan just lost the love of his life. And like that's tough. And like that's where we're at with it. I like I do like the I do appreciate the fact that like no one was like ooh, like, Dylan, you're getting in trouble for falling in love with a patient. And, like, nope, no, there's none of that. Like, that doesn't matter right now. Right. And, and I love, I mean, I love how, like, the first thing he does after Crockett calls it is he goes right to Goodwin and just says, like, she's gone. Yeah. Like, he's confiding in his in his team, right? And, right. Like- well, and because Goodwin's probably, I think, if I remember correctly, last season, the end, especially the end of Med last season, was a little bit of a blur. But I think she's probably really the only one who knew what was going on right i think so with all the police stuff and i don't think she knew necessarily that melena was joe but like with all the police stuff i think she was like really kind of the only one that knew and and will to some extent right right i i love how everybody validated his feelings yeah i love that because like they probably shouldn't have if you're being honest like they probably should have been like like dylan probably 
I don't know what the rules are on that, but like, I'm sure that breaks some kind of weird met, especially at med. Like, I'm sure that broke some kind of rule, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, Dylan lost the love of his life and he's grieving, and everyone respects that. And I really appreciated that. Same, big time, same, same. So then Dylan's in like the lounge or wherever, and he has this moment with Dr. Charles. It was my fault. It was not your fault. I boy. shot the gun. Dylan, you were being attacked, all right? It was an assailant. How can you know the bullet was going to go through him and, and hit Malena? How could you know that? Her name was Joe. And you were trying to protect her. <laughs> I did a hell of a job, man. Buddy, you did the best you could. I killed her. I killed the woman I love, man. <laughs> this moment broke me. Baby. Like, I like literally oh. I was like I was just like so emotional like we've not seen anything I mean granted we've only had one season of Dylan and unfortunately we're only gonna have one season of Dylan but like we haven't seen anything like this from him yet right and to see him break down like that and to see how affected he was and I oh man I just tugged at my heartstrings I was I was, I'm broken. I'm like broken after rewatching it even this morning too. I was like, I can't do this again for a third time. Same. And it, it's one of those cries where the tears are like jumping out of your face. Like you could just feel the heartbreak. Well, and again, the fact that Dr. Charles just lets him feel whatever he's feeling and says everything, you know, he just, he just listens. I mean, and that's what Dr. Charles is best at is just listening, but he just, he knows what Dylan needs and Dylan just needs someone to like be there. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it tears me up. When he says, he's like, I killed the woman I love. Oh, oh my God. Dylan, honey. I cry. I mean, I, I'm going to cry again just thinking about it. It's, it's, it's emotional. Yeah. And that's like, punch. feels like such like a weird word to you, but it's, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So Whew. Gorin, who is the guy from the Russian mob who pretty much like, showed up there the too. og patient yeah yeah the og patient he needs a liver transplant um and i mean dylan is so racked with guilt this episode that he just he needs to make it right in some way shape or form he needs to atone for what happened in his mind and so dylan takes it upon himself to find a donor so they meet with um archer and crockett and then archer just has to archer in this moment right he has to have his one archer moment of the episode and granted archer wasn't totally archer this episode and we'll talk about his growth too but like he had to have his one archer moment and it was this was it this was it yeah uh so he comes out of the room and he's like the liver shot oh no pun intended It's funny though. It, it is it, funny. It, it's funny. Yeah. I I, I definitely I, I had a good chuckle to that one. I was like, okay, wait, you get that. You get that one, Dr. Archer. Yeah. You get that one. So Dylan steps up. He's like, fine, I volunteer. Like I I volunteer. It's that simple. And Crockett's like, well, wait, like hold on. Take take a breath. Doesn't matter. Their blood types don't match. Yeah. So he calls his dad to pull Gorin's file and he says he's like, he's my patient and I've got to do at least one thing right. Well, and it's so funny that when, well, funny is not the right word, but like when he said that, it really clicked to me that that's what he meant because the whole time I thought he was going after Gorin because he thought that Gorin 
because like Gorn being there is why Milena got hurt and he was going for like justice for Milena mm-hmm. purposes and like that's why he would like Gorn had to live so that he could ultimately end up in jail and like rot for the rest of his life that's kind of what I thought Dylan's thinking was going but he really didn't even care about that he was just like I need to do something good right now like I've done all this fucked up you know or in his mind he feels like he's done all this fucked up shit like he's the reason Milena you know, died. And he's like, you know what? I just need to, like, this guy was originally my patient. He's like, I got to make sure he lives just so I can do something good. Right. This is kind of like in the early seasons of 911 when uh, Peter Krause's character was trying to save people to offset the amount of people that were killed right. in that he had fire. The book. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what he's doing is, you know, his actions led to Melina dying. And so this time he wants to even it out and he wants his actions to lead to Goran living. Right. But like I said, in the beginning, I thought it was he was trying to keep Goran alive so that he could ultimately rot in jail. Yeah. And that's not what this was at all. That's not really the person Dylan is. Right. But like, I, again, I was just once that he said that line and he was like, I got to do at least one thing right. I was like, oh, I was like, that's where Dylan's coming from. And like you said, that's not who Dylan is. And so I think that would have kind of been out of character if that would have been his motive. So but yeah, I was just once I saw that, I was like, oh, like it just really clicked. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what this is who Dylan is. Like this scene right here is who Dylan is. Right. Right. So. We get to the end and we'll talk about all the stuff that happens in between with the other characters, but he's leaving mad. Here's the clip. I'm leaving mad. What? You once reminded me that I wear a white coat, not a blue one. But the thing is, uh, here in Chicago, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to escape my past. I don't think I'll ever be able to take that blue coat off. But Chicago's your home, you grew up here. That's the problem. Those old ties keep pulling me back in. I have to go someplace where I can just be a doctor. So. Well, you will be sorely missed. Is there any way I can talk you out of it? <sighs> this is where I met Joe. And where I lost her. Every time I go past that room, I think of her. Understood. It has truly been my pleasure, Dr. Scott. I'm so sad. Same. Well, okay, I have two... Okay, so one, do you think... And again, we'll never know, but like, do you think this is a writing decision or do you think this is like a guy wants to leave the show decision? I... If my my gut says it's a guy wanting to leave decision. Yeah, I do too. I think Dylan was so well loved last season that, and they did a lot with Dylan last season that I would have a hard time believing that they were just like, you know what, we're gonna write him off. Like this is how we're gonna end this. Like I I think if Guy had wanted to stay, then they could have. I mean, they could have found a way for Dylan to work through his guilt still mm-hmm. at mid. Mm-hmm. Um. But the other thing that, like, the the other reason, or the other thing I was going to say was, the reason that this makes me so sad, besides me just loving Dylan and Guy as, you know, like, and Guy as the portrayer of Dylan, is that I really feel like when they brought in Dylan and Guy last season, like, it really kind of reinvigorated Med. Like, whatever it was about him, whether it was just Guy, or Dylan's personality, or his background, or whatever, but, like, 
I've never seen, especially in the med fandom, like everyone kind of rally around a character so much as they did Dylan. And it really, I think, brought a new life back into med. And I'm really sad to see that go. And I think it's going to be really weird, even though there are things I'm excited about for med this season. And we'll get to those things. But like, I'm really sad that Dylan leaves and I am really kind of worried a little bit about what his departure is going to mean for med given that dylan brought life back into med last year i feel like so well said so well said that encompasses pretty much everything i'm thinking now i'm not necessarily scared for the future with med but i'm definitely bummed like i just i'm really and like i said i i've especially with med because med you know over the years has had its up and downs like i've never and you know this for a fact too because i think you feel the same way like the fandom really rallied. I mean, the fandom liked, um, why Kristen? cannot think of Kristen, Kristen Hager's character? Uh, why cannot think of Stevie. her name? Stevie. Yeah. Like, they liked her, but, like, she was not around. I mean, she was around for half the season. So, like, people liked her, but, like, you know, it wasn't the same. Like, people love Dylan. Like, they love Dylan. And the fact that he's just gone is just really sad. And I think there was so much story to tell there, and I just... I'm really sad. I'm I'm really bummed. There really there really was a lot more they could have unpacked. Yeah. When even just, you know, with his personal background, I mean, we loved his family, the fact that we spent so much time with his dad and his sister, and that part seems to be gone, the police stuff, the, you know, the transition from police to doctor. I mean, there's so much there they could have dealt with. The pediatric stuff, like who's the pediatric doctor now? Good question. I mean, you don't have to have a well at med they probably do need a pediatric doctor but like i don't know like there's just so many holes now left by dylan's departure that i'm curious who you know or how they're gonna fill them yeah absolutely i respect his reasoning oh for sure for sure but it's also the exact same reason why connor left but i it's also a really under in both situations it's a really understandable reason yeah like if i had gone through that kind of level of trauma I don't know if I could be in the same place and like be expected to work there and not have those memories and not have breakdowns and, you know, over them. And like, you can't really heal. I feel like, you know, in that place. So I, I think it was the right reason for Connor to leave. And I think it was the right reason if they're going to have Dylan exit, this makes the most sense. And I feel like this is totally the right reason for him to leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, he's he's so right. The CPD part of him is always going to pull, especially since it's his dad and his sister who are still in the PD. Right. And all his other family ties. He's from Chicago. Like, yeah, he if he wants to truly move on, not only from the Melena stuff, but move on from being a cop, he can't do it in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that once he feels like he's moved on, he can't come back to Chicago. But while the transition process, he cannot be in Chicago. Right. He just can't. And I, I'm glad that he realized it. I mean, granted, it sucks that it took this for him to realize it, but I'm glad that he realized it. I'm just bummed we'll never further get to know him. Yeah. And like I said, the fact that, like, his family ties and we were really hoping, I mean, granted, I don't think it was ever going to happen, but, like, the Zoya, like, go to over to PD part, like, that would have been really interesting. Like, there's just so much there they could have done especially because it seems like we're losing all our siblings so like it would have been nice to have had that sibling relationship you know like there's just so much they could have done there and I just I'm I'm really sad like this one I mean granted besides the two Jessies this is probably the departure that's hurt the most in a long time Mm -hmm. so this one stings 
it really stings especially for him being so new still relatively like this really stings it, I mean it, it I mean it never feels good when someone leaves but I hate when they're like brand new to the show and we we get we get used to them we we get, get attached and you then, fall like, in love yeah you fall in love with those characters and then they're just gone yeah yeah it sucks well and I feel like you know like I keep hearing that song like you say goodbye and I say hello like I just keep hearing like that feel like that just encompasses like the whole premiere like all of these premieres yeah it's like that song like I just keep thinking about that song like that's what I've been singing in my head all weekend (laughs) a lot of change a lot of change across all three shows yep yep so guy we will miss you we're so glad at least we got to have you on and to get to know you. And that was Gina and I were literally just talking about it before we were recording. If you're happen to be listening to this, by the way, but like how much we love that chat. And that's like one of our favorite memories of our time on the podcast for sure is that interview. So, and you are stuck with the one Chicago fandom forever. Now we are following forever. you from project to project. forever, ever, ever, yeah, ever. Okay. Now let's talk about Will and Hannah. Oh boy. These two. These two. I know. Bryna, take it away. Okay. So going back to the fire part, we're starting, like you said, Will and Dylan make it out of the fire and we all of a sudden see that a firefighter is helping Hannah out to an ambo. And Will is really confused because he's like, I thought you got out. And she says, well, I did, but she's like, I went back to find you, which like, oh man. Okay, so Will didn't leave her in the fire. No. Thank God. Yeah, right. Thank God. But also, Thank- like, I, I I, mean, I, on the one hand, I can appreciate Hannah, like, caring about Will that much if she doesn't want something to happen to him. But also, like, girl, like, why did you rush back? Are you, like, really? You rushed back into the fire? Because they're into each other, even if they don't want to admit it. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there yeah but anyway so they check her out you know she seems fine but um will is still like worried he is like as worried as i've ever seen him almost i kind of enjoyed this i'm not gonna lie how he was like like ethan was like well your levels are normal you're good and then will was like well what was your co2 he's just like i think will is going back to like puppy dog mode and honestly i'm here for it i can work with that i can go i can work with puppy dog will if it doesn't become like obsessive and i think the last time we saw him in puppy dog mode was when like the early days of Natalie. And then it just got to a point where it was like obsessive almost. I really hope that he has grown. Right. Since then. I agree. I agree. But anyway, so they, again, we're trying to figure out what caused the fire at the apartment. And who do we get? We get an appearance from not only Burgess, but Van Meter, which was like a nice surprise. Yeah, big time. It was like, oh, not only PD, we get a fire character too. I was like, this is a great, like the little crossovers. It works. You know, Kelly was probably so sad to miss this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, anyway, so they're just saying, they basically are just updating Will. They're like, basically, it was arson. It was deliberate. And they're thinking that all signs are pointing to Goron. And um, we get this scene with Will and Dylan. And it's such a nice, 
again, Dylan, I think there's just always such a nice breath of fresh air because the scene with Will and Dylan, Dylan is like so upset with himself. He thinks everything, even though, you know, he's like, if I hadn't brought in Joe there, then Goran wouldn't have shown up and blah, blah, blah. And blah. And Will's like, dude, like everyone's okay. That's all that. I mean, everyone except Melena, unfortunately, but like, he's like, you know, that's not what matters. He's like, that can all be replaced. Like, you know, that I don't care about that. This yeah go ahead it was just a really nice like breath of fresh air to have a scene like this it really was and it made me kind of bummed that we never really got this last season yeah I feel like that's unfortunately how we feel with a lot of Will friendships like we've the only one we've had relatively consistently is Will and Maggie and even then we don't get a lot of that but like we thought we felt the same way when Connor left too it was like oh man like they had some good scenes at the end. Like, why couldn't we have had more of this? So this this made me realize something like along those lines. I'm so glad you brought this up because in eight seasons, we have never seen Will have a good, healthy, normal, regular male friendship. He's always well, in pissing matches with the other I males on the show. I feel like that's unfortunately, like, I feel like Med is not the greatest at friendship in general. Like, even if you think about some of our best, I mean, Goodwin and Dr. Charles aside, because I think they're just the best. I mean, they're at like the top of just one Chicago bro TPs in general. Mm -hmm. But like, if you remove them from the category, I mean, who are some of our other good? I mean, you have like Maggie and um, Natalie, which was fine. But like, you know, there's not any other like good, strong bro TPs on med at all. Maggie and Sharon, but that's really. But again, like it's, it's okay. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, they're not anything memorable. Like, I wouldn't put any other med bro TP on, like, a top bro TP list except for Sharon and Dr. Charles. But you, Will only Will only ever works with other women. And it's always in the context of them eventually becoming a love interest. We have literally never seen Will work alongside another male colleague in a, you know, a productive yeah. type of way. Well, and remember last season when Natalie left and... Um, Crockett and Will had that nice scene and we were like oh is this gonna become like our new bro TP like I kind of like this and then they literally never did anything with it ever again and it's just like yeah like there's like no good I mean I guess to some extent you see a little bit with like Ethan and Archer but like even then that's such a like frenemies type thing and like maybe now is becoming a lot more friendly but like it was such a like rivals thing for a while that like I don't even know if I'd count that there's just a lack of male friendship on the show, I feel like, in general. Right. Right. But. If we want to jazz things up for Will, why don't we just, like, why don't we have him work with a male? Yeah. Just kind of see them work together, because all I've, all I've literally all I've ever seen from Will is him butting heads with his male doctors. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting realization I came to after that scene. Yeah. But yeah, this, that scene was real. I really like that scene. But... So things aren't so great with Hannah as we kind of find out. So she's truly struggling with her breathing. And basically they put her back in the bed and Ethan is like going from zero to intubate in like two seconds. He's like, that's like the next step for him is like, okay, yeah, you can't breathe. Like, okay, we're going to intubate you. (laughs) We're just going to shove a tube down your throat. Yeah. Um, And Hannah doesn't want it. And Will is like very defending of her. He's like, yeah, no, if she doesn't want it, no, we're not doing it. No, no, no. Even though that's not what Ethan agrees, but Ethan goes with it. Ethan just kind of lets it, lets it go. And he's like, okay. He's like, but if we get to the point, we get to the point. But like, for right now, I can hold off. 
But like Ethan, it's not like this is any other patient and Will's just like, you know, putting his foot down to be right. Hannah's a fellow doctor. Right. But Ethan is her. And I think Ethan's feeling is not that he's doing it out of spite or anything, but Mm -hmm. Ethan knows that Will is not in the right headspace when it comes to Hannah. Mm -hmm. And so Ethan has a medical opinion and he thinks that Will, just because of his feelings, is like compromised and like agreeing with Hannah just because that's what Hannah says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it definitely wasn't out of spite. Yeah. But so speaking of that, so Ethan and Will have this like conversation in the hallway and Ethan basically says that he's like, dude, like you can't you can't say anything he's like um you know and will's like so defensive of himself he's like i'm not in love with her and ethan's just like you know feelings don't just disappear and it's just like everyone knows but will that they're still in love with each other yeah yeah also foreshadowing yeah yeah also a lot of foreshadowing but more about that later yeah more about that in a second but ethan's just like dude like you're being oblivious right now like come on I think that's just Will. I think he just, like, he throws himself into every single patient like that. But, no, he's definitely still in love with Hannah. I I do think that. But, like, he throws himself into every patient like that. But it's Hannah. It's a different level. Even if he throws, even if you say that, like, his your argument is that, like, he throws them, he is, like, so devoted to his patients and he really throws himself in. Like, yeah, I could see that. And I do agree with that to some extent. But, like, it's Hannah. Like, he really should not be working on this case at all and Ethan that's that's what Ethan's trying to point out he's like dude like there is something there you may not want to put a name on it there is something there like these feelings don't just disappear like you cannot work on this case mm-hmm. it's not gonna work out like you cannot do it dude he, that's all Ethan's trying to say he's like no I did get slight enjoyment out of like the scene at the beginning when Ethan's like I've got this was like no I'm staying yeah got a, got a little bit of enjoyment out of that yeah so basically they take her to do a chest CT and all of a sudden her stats like tank. And so they end up intubating her anyway. And basically what it ends up being is a long-term effect of her prior drug use. So like, it's not the fire and the smoke inhalation basically just triggered things that she already had happening in her body that she just didn't realize she was having happening. Pretty much. Yeah. Science. Yeah. Science. And it's not cancer or anything. It's just like, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that happen when your body goes undergoes things. Like, I, even though it wasn't a side effect or anything, like, my mom had to be on a lot of medication for, like, pretty much her whole life to keep, like, one of her lung diseases under control. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like, there were so many other things that happened to her body because of her long-term, you know, the long-term effects of those drugs. Like, it just, you know, the body and medicine is weird. It's just so it's weird. really weird. So weird. In a way, I mean, I, like this is kind of, it's kind of like scar tissue. I mean, it's it's like, yeah, but it is. Right. Yeah. And she's going to be fine. It's just, that's why she all of a sudden couldn't breathe is because it basically, the smoke triggered this stuff that was happening in her lungs. Yeah. Um, And so when they tell her though, that, you know, this is what's happening to her, Hannah just, you know, Hannah's really upset by it. And she's just like, you know, I can't seem to shake the past. And Will all of a sudden says, he's like, you're not in this alone, Hannah. Like, he just automatically chimes in, and it's like, this is clearly where we're, this is what's happening. What what, what are we doing this season? They're going to end up together by the end of the season, for sure. Uh, okay, I can work with that. But, like, I wonder what, like, what their things are going to be this season. You know, like, a couple seasons ago, it was, like, you know, they met, and Will's whole thing was about, you know, the clinic. Um, I wonder what, like, their things are going to be this season. I don't know. I hope it's them. Um... 
slowly building their friendship back up mm-hmm. and working on that. And then if they end up realizing, oh, shit, I'm actually still in love with each other, that's fine. But, like, I hope they're just not, like, jumping back into things right away. Because I don't think that's good for either one of them. Right. Side note, but I feel so bad for Will. Like, is that building even still salvageable or is it just a total loss? No, it is a total loss. I feel so bad for him. There's no way. I mean, I don't think it burned down or anything, but like, it's probably one of those things that like is not worth rebuilding. Oh my gosh. This poor guy, like it's this massive settlement and then literally like sets it on fire. He was never meant to be a landlord. Is he meant to have nice things, period? I like this point. Well, not only did he like lose his building, he lost all his stuff. Yeah. Jesus. Does Will have the worst luck in one Chicago? That's a great question. Yes. (laughs) You didn't even answer. You like think about it. You're like, no, yes, he does. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Poor guy. He does. Poor guy. Yeah. So basically, this all ends up because the whole time. That this is like basically happening over like a 24 hour period. So the next day is when Will and Goodwin are going to the Vasic trial and testifying. And so the next day, Will finishes shift and like Maggie pulled him out some like random like suit and tie things she found and lost and found because again, he lost all this stuff. It's and, so like, mismatched. It's so mismatched. It's so oversized. It doesn't fit him. And yeah. like, Arthur is, like, roasting him. And Will's like, this is literally all I have, dude. Like, it's this or nothing. So funny. So funny. And basically, as it turns out, they run into Jessa and her lawyer on the way into court. And then all of a sudden, Burgess is like, Jessa, you're under arrest for arson at Will's apartment building. And she, yeah, it, it was Jessa. It was Jessa. The only, I did not see that coming. Maybe I should have, but I didn't see it coming. The only thing is, I wish they had, like... Again, there was just so much happening in this episode that I feel like that was just, like, really random. It was like, oh, yeah, by the way, it was Jessa. And I was like, wait, uh huh No, I enjoyed it. I I definitely... I mean, I think we had all suspected it was either going to be, like, the Russian mob or it was going to be Jessa. Yeah, I think it... Yeah. I think we gave Jessa the benefit of the doubt, which might have been pretty naive for us because this is when Chicago... Yeah, like I said, I just feel like that was something that was like, I like the twist. I liked that it ended up being Jessa. I thought that makes sense. But it was just one of those things that like I felt because there was so much else happening, it kind of just got like slipped under the rug a little bit. Man, I mean, I felt bad for Jessa last season. I feel real bad for her now because like now she has definitely ruined her entire life. Well, yeah, she's going to jail forever. Like, like the, last year she probably could have gotten like 10 years just for like i don't i mean i don't know i'm making up numbers but like she wouldn't have gotten away less she could have been out at some point from jail and now she's never gonna get out of jail fraud and arson by like what age 25 yeah damn right That's like a- at least on the fraud charge she probably could have been out in like eight to ten years if that i mean and i you know we we've we've gone in depth about that i think she's so young that like she got suckered into the Vasic stuff like that. They would have made a deal, but now she's an arsonist. Right. And attempted murder. So yeah. 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 She's screwed. She's screwed. Totally screwed. Yeah. And then it it does end with, you know, Will finds Dylan at the end of the episode. He's just like, it was Jessa. Like if you think it was something else and that's why you're leaving, please stay. And Dylan just said no, and it, it was well, a nice and that's ending. another one of those. Like I said, it very much reminds me of when Connor left, mm-hmm. and like that kind of end scene, and was like, man, we could have had so much more with these two. I know, 
And it sucks that we don't. Does suck. Yeah. Okay. That's the Will and Hannah stuff. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I'm excited. Maybe excited is a strong word, but I am interested to see where what happens with these two this season. Big time. And I think since seasons, I mean, season seven, we've said time and time again, was one of the strongest seasons of Med today. I think it is the strongest season of Med. I think so too. Granted, I, the ending few episodes aside, because those weren't as great, but I still think seven overall was a great season. So I think I think they can, you know, capture that energy and do it again. So I'm pretty excited for this season. I feel good about it. I think they can too. I just, like I said, I think what maybe worry is not the right word, but what I do, I'm just sad that, like I said, I think Dylan was a really big part of them reinvigorating Med last season and breathing that breath into, you know, breath of fresh air back into it. And so with him gone, it's kind of like, okay, so then what happens? Can it sustain or not? And I think they can, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So elsewhere across the hospital, we have Crockett and Crockett's doing his thing, but he, he walks past Pamela's room and Abrams comes out and Pamela's pissed, which, you know, we expected, but then Abrams goes and says this. Hey, Sam, you understand why I opted to sack the vessel. I understand, but your decision was, well, uninspired is the kindest thing I could say. And personally, I've struggled not to take offense. Fence. Yeah. Clearly you doubted I could make the repair. Oh, believe me, that had nothing to do with it. You say so. Oh, and not that this had anything to do with your decision, but it is ironic the way you managed to sideline the chief of transplant. Some might say making room for the next rising star. A little harsh, Gretch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Abrams because, like, Abrams he is- He keeps the- it rule. He, he keeps, keeps it, it real. real. Like he's an asshole most of the time, but he's an asshole because he just keeps it real. He like he just mm-hmm. says the facts. This wasn't so much facts. This was just mean. Yeah. And I didn't know Abrams had like such strong feelings and like felt that way about the fact that like it's not really his opinion. Like he doesn't really get a say in the matter. Like Pamela made Crockett her, you know, person her power of attorney and so it was crockett's choice to you know do it like i don't think crockett was any and crockett even says this that like he wasn't even thinking about the fact that he didn't have trust in abrams to do the surgery and all that like i don't even think that crossed crockett's mind and so the fact that abrams just assumes that like you know that was part of crockett's reasoning i think that's like kind of crazy that he just comes out and says that that was really crazy. And it wasn't even the part that he said when he was like, I can't believe you doubted my skill. Cause I mean, Abrams runs on ego that, that didn't surprise me at all. It was how he was like, you know, I should be kind of disturbed that you tried to pretty much like sideline the head of transplant surgery for your own glory. Yeah. Well, and Crockett, I mean, and that's what I don't understand. We can talk about this in two seconds too, mm-hmm. but like, I don't, I thought Crockett was just observing Pamela. Like, I don't think I realized that he was like planning to take over transplant surgery. I mean, not take over transplant surgery, but like be an established transplant surgeon mm-hmm. i don't understand what crockett's medical career is looking like he's switched from so many disciplines i don't understand what's happening right. anymore i just let crockett do his own thing i'm like okay crockett's doing a transplant surgery today okay he's okay. doing a brain surgery today okay you know it's like okay whatever but i will say those episodes when he's in the ed and not on the transfer floor they're so much better they're so much better yeah yeah, yeah, so hopefully they kind of balance the two this season. 
I hope so. I hope it doesn't end up being like a Rhodes thing. Because that was the biggest problem with Connor is that Connor never spent any time in the ED towards the end. Mm -hmm. It was all him and Ava doing surgery. And it was like, this is not what we want. Right. Right. So you can tell how much, like what, what Abram says, you can tell it really shakes Crockett Mm -hmm. because he immediately goes straight to Goodwin and asks to be taken off the transplant service Mm -hmm. because that's, you know, that's not who he is. And he doesn't want the hospital to think that's who he is. Yeah. And so, you know, he goes to ask Goodwin and gets a pretty resounding hell no. But that's what I'm saying is because Goodwin's reasoning though, for saying no, a lot of it seems she's like, basically like, we don't have the money to replace you. And, like, you've already spent so much time training to be the next, like, be a transplant surgeon. And I was like, wait a second. I don't think I realized that, like, this was in such an official capacity. Like, I thought he was just really liking working with Pamela and, like, shadowing her. But he was still an ED doctor. That's my understanding. But his thing says general surgery. So, like, I don't know anymore. Like I said, I don't know what Crockett, which area he technically works for. Who knows anymore? And that's, it makes that scene really interesting because I feel like when when Goodwin reveals that to Crockett, she's kind of revealing it to all of us too. Yeah, like oh wait, they're basically the like we don't have now. the money to like replace you, so like you're stuck. Right, right. And like, what are they gonna do with the like? What are they gonna do with you know all the transplant knowledge in his head? Just toss it in the trash? Well, and it's not like he like every week. I mean, granted, thinking about it in like a TV show perspective, we're not gonna have a transplant surgery every week. Right. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, it worked a little bit last year because they had Sarah Rafferty. So, like, I understand why they were giving us a bunch of transplant surgeries because they were making that a story arc. But, like, what are they going to do? Have a transplant surgery every week for Crockett to do? I mean, last year they pretty much had a pregnant person every single week. So Hannah could get to it. I guess. But I I don't know. Someone's got to take over pediatrics. I mean, Jesus. Right. Right. So Crockett is going to operate on Goran's brother to do the the transplant. And he finds out that he's only limited to seven units of blood instead of the usual 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. And so they get in surgery and they use up all seven. So Crockett's like, okay, well, we've got to stop the surgery. Like we, I know what I'm doing. We've got to stop and go back. But you've got Dylan in the gallery giving Crockett kind of a taste of his own medicine. You remember how Crockett did that to Abrams last season? Crockett studied a few times. Yeah. And the whole the whole time during the scene, we're like, Crockett, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Like, let him work. And so Dylan basically did the same thing to Crockett. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just make a general rule of like no med doctors in the gallery. Yeah. I think that's a smart. I think that's a smart rule. I think, I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. So... They stop, they go back, and going back works. Yeah. It does the job. It's a successful surgery, all that stuff. And so the other doctor who's in there with him, he's like, hell of a call, Crockett. Like, good job. hmm So end of the episode, Crockett goes to Pamela. We got Sarah Rafferty for one scene. One yep. scene. And she says this. I thought Sam told you I didn't want to see you. You did. But I have something I need to say. Look, if you came to apologize... I didn't. I came to thank you. I had a win in the award today. Largely because of you. What you taught me. It made me realize I... I have an obligation to continue this work. But I can't throw away the knowledge you've given me. Very nice speech, Crockett. Meanwhile, I'm sidelined with this injury. I know. When I come back, 
which I will. If you think you're going to be on my team, think again. All right. You know, if it had been me on the table, and it was you who had to make the call, I'm pretty sure you would have done the same thing. Good night, Pam. So why are we all shitting on Crockett today? Yeah, I, I don't think he was out of, I mean, no, actually, I don't think he was out of line at all. You don't think he was out of line? No. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah. And there's a lot of interesting snippets from this to take away. I think that him, him going to her and being like, you know, I wanted to say thank you. Like I got a win in the OR today and like just kind of being bold, despite the fact that she didn't want to see him. I think that's something he learned from her. Yeah, for sure. And like when he says he's like, you would have done the same thing. There is a reason that she picked him over Avery. Because she knows that like he would have made, like she even says that like, before she picks him like i know you're gonna make the right call and like that's the call she would have made if it, if the situation was reversed and he had made her, her her his power of attorney and he was in the same situation she would have made that exact same call and i think like maybe there's a little bit of guilt on her side because it didn't work and like she's bummed obviously of course that it didn't work but i don't think she can take it out on crockett because she he did exactly what she would have done and there's a reason she picked him over avery because she basically wanted him to make that call. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it's a little bold that he said that because she's not very touchy-feely, right? She's not a very like emotional person. And so by him saying that, he's basically saying, you felt the same way about me that I did about you. Yeah. Despite her never saying, saying that or communicating that. Yeah. It's bold. Yeah. But like I said, I don't think anything, any part of it's out of line. I think it's exactly what she needed to hear. And I mean, you know, I, we at this point, we know that Sarah Rafferty's not coming back. Like, mm -hmm. this is kind of our end of, you know, end of our time with Pamela. But like, you know, I think she needed to hear it. And now, you know, when she goes off to Boston for her rehab, you know, she's going to have a lot to think about. And I think, you know, she's going to obviously have to work on herself physically, but emotionally, too, because Crockett left her with a lot to unpack. Right. I do love how Crockett did not let either Abrams or Ra or Rafferty or Pamela like, get in his yeah. head. And he took the high road through this whole episode. Yeah. And that's why Crockett's the best. Love it's it. Because he's really good about working through, like, balancing his emotions with, you know, his, uh, like, he's just, he's really good about, like, playing it out and be like, okay, you're like, yeah, I'm feeling angry that, you know, this happened, but I also know I have to take the high, like, he's just, he's really good at that stuff. Right. Um, and also not letting it get to him, like, Crockett, I mean, again, Crockett's the best. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we've also got Dr. Charles and Archer. Archer had a lot of growth in this episode. It was one episode, and, like, Archer of last season and Archer of this season are so different. And if we stay on this path, I'm here for it. Same. Like, I'm really here for it. And I think they probably kind of knew that, like, and we've all been saying it, that, like, Archer sucks and we're waiting. We've all been just been waiting for Archer to have some revelation, some moment of growth that can make us root for him. And, like, not to say he has to be a perfect character or, like, our favorite character right away, because it's going to take time for that to happen, but, like, we needed to see something. And this was finally something that we were like, 
okay, like I'm here for this. And I've been waiting for the Archer's son story. I mean, it's literally been all I've talked about. I feel like all summer. I'm just like dying for it at this point. We got um, a name. Yes, thank a name. Still no actor. Cause again, we're recording this early. So we have no idea if anything happened in promos. We know nothing. Nope. This is Sunday afternoon when we're recording this. So we don't know anything at this point. Yep. So go for it. But I will say the try. So like I said, the Archer stuff I loved, even though it was like barely anything. I really could have cared less about the Charles, Dr. Charles stuff right now. It was just, I, I don't have to say it wasn't a good, interesting storyline, just not for this episode. Yeah, if you do I agree an episode with you on two. That. If you do an episode, I still don't want to say care for Nelly, which we can get to in two seconds too. But like, I don't. I think this goes over a little bit better if it's episode two, not episode one. I completely agree. This was. I realized this was them trying to get back to business and saying this is how a normal weekly episode works. But with the fallout from the fire and, and Dylan leaving, and yeah, then Ethan and like there's just and Pamela and Crockett. There was just so much and Maggie. Like even the Maggie stuff felt more relevant than this, even though that was barely anything. Like there was just so much else happening. We did not also need them doing a case of the week with Doctor Charles and introducing a new character barely like I just did not need that this week right and usually when I can't see the meaning of these things like if I if there's like a storyline where I'm just like what was the point of this this week I will try to look for the connection and be like okay well what's going on in the character's life what are they doing here so I realized this was a way to get Dr. Charles to realize hey I probably need to go back to therapy well it was also a connection with Archer like it was the only way they could get Archer the Archer stuff out too because Archer makes the comment which we'll again we'll get to in two seconds but like I feel like they could have done both of those things differently and and still not have had all this. Right. And like, even like the Dr. Charles therapy thing, like, I don't think they needed to have that revelation happen in episode one, too. Like, they could have definitely made that an episode two realization. Right. So, again, it just, it's not a bad storyline. It was just not necessary in episode one, is my opinion. Right. But anyway, so basically, so Dr. Charles and Archer... They get this patient who's a teenage boy. He basically smoked a bunch of pot and they, the parents believe it was laced with fentanyl. But these parents are awful. Like the dad is just so sure that like he was, he's just such a fuck up and he basically made a bone ass move. And the mom is like a little sympathetic kind of, but like she doesn't want to piss off the dad. So she's like trying to play it cool. These parents are like terrible. They're so bad. It's so bad. And this poor kid, I mean, he's like having delusions and he's like, where am I? And the dad's like, you know where you are. Yeah. Oh, they're terrible. Um, But so Dr. Charles and Nellie, who is the new um, psychiatric resident, they walk out of the room and they're going to talk with Archer in the, you know, ED. And Dr. Charles introduces Nellie to Archer and Archer's like, oh, another lamb to the slaughter. And, you know, Nellie's like, oh, hardly a lamb, Dr. Archer. And I did like her comeback, but it's still, it's not enough to make me like, like her. There was like, no, I, there so was no time in the storyline for us to get to know Nellie at all. No. There was no space. That's what I'm saying. This was a better storyline for next week. Yeah. It, it just, it would have been. But so basically they end up getting a more of a history and it sounds like, you know, at first they're like, he sounds like he's just being a teenager, but then basically once they start talking to the patient without the parents, you know, they get more details from him and it basically it all signs point to the patient having schizophrenia. So Nellie seems like she's a very methodical, you know, she approaches it very methodically, but Dr. Charles has to remind her that like, she has to sometimes take a step back and like 
look at the bigger picture and like just because the patient is a minor that like you may not like the parents but you also have to focus on the parents too because like you can't do anything without their permission Mm -hmm. so like even though they're not the patient you still have to include them in everything because they're just as important to the as the patient is in this situation Mm -hmm. unfortunately so we've been talking about this growth that we saw from archer so basically dr charles and dr archer have this little heart to heart i guess you'd call it and outside and we're just gonna play it i tried to call my son yesterday didn't i get a son yeah 15 years ago lost him to drugs he's alive i don't I don't know where he is. Sure to hear that deep. I'm telling you this because I know what it's gonna be like for those parents. Boy. Oh, they're gonna remember that laughing kid running through the sprinklers, how proud he was when he learned how to ride a bike. And they are not going to understand how it's possible that some outside force has stolen that boy away. Tell them. You'll tell the parents. Well, like you always say, at least now you'll get the help he needs. Let's hope so. I feel like this is like all we've been waiting for. Yes. It's like more details, and we're getting closer and closer. And I was just like, oh my God. Because you even texted me, you were like, did we know that like it was drugs? And I was like, no, like I don't, I mean, I knew we knew we had a son. We knew that they've not been in communication. And we, I think, kind of maybe could guess, but we didn't know for sure. We definitely, that was, like, all the details we had. And it's, like, holy shit. And, like, the fact that Archer tried to call his son, and I was, like, holy shit. Like, like we're going somewhere, finally. I feel yeah. like we've been waiting forever for this. This is probably my favorite Archer scene to date. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I love this scene. Yeah. And if we get more, like I said, if we get more of this kind of stuff from Archer, like I said, I'm really excited I think obviously this means we're going to meet his son and whatever. I'm really excited. I'm just, I'm excited to see what they do with us. I really am. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to finally get to know Archer, which is all we've been wanting for two seasons now. Is that how he's been on the show for two seasons? Something now? like that. But I think that's what will happen with Nellie too, is once we finally get to know her, we'll like her. We'll start to care. Yeah. We'll see. I, I didn't really, I just, I never cared for Sarah Reese either. And like, she basically just seems like she's going to be Reese 2.0. And I just, I don't know. I, I hope she turns out different because I did not care for Reese that much. I thought she was fine. <laughs> but so Dr. Charles and Ellie end up breaking the news to the parents and it basically goes about as well as expected. They are just like, yeah, we're taking our son home. He's not a mental case and we don't believe you. We're going to sue you. All those fun things. Yeah, it sucks. It it just, you know, and there's nothing they can do about it. Like, you know, like, I think Nellie feels a little de- defeated, or at least it looks like she feels a little de- defeated. But like, like you and like Dr. Charles said, there's she the patient's a minor, like you have to include the parents in the diagnosis and everything. And like, sometimes you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Like the parents are half the battle too. So then, like you said, Dr. Charles, basically this whole thing was to get him to realize that, like, he's not been talking to someone since the whole Lonnie debacle and that he probably needs to be talking about his feelings to someone. So he goes to meet his new therapist and basically the dude is, like, terrible. He is, like, only that cares about typing his answers on his computers and not really listening. And Dr. Charles, like, leaves. 
He's just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I'm PC now. Did the actor who played the therapist, he looked really familiar. He looked he? really familiar. And again, because we're watching this early, we have no credits to go off of or anything. So like we can't do an IMDB search or anything, but he does look really familiar. For some reason, the West Wing comes to mind. But I wonder if I could do, actually, now that I say this, I wonder if I can do an IMDB search, if it'll give me any details for like episode one. Um, He's been see. in a ton of stuff. Let's see. Wait, he's not. Is he from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I don't know. I didn't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, this is going to bug me because he looked so familiar. I think. Who is? I'm trying to figure out if I can figure out his name. Yeah. But anyway, so like I said, we don't have credits to go off of. So I don't know if I found the guy, but um, he does look very familiar. He's been in everything. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if he's going to be recurring. I hope not. I feel like Dr. Charles leaving basically answers like, yeah, he's terrible. We're not going to see him again. Yeah. Also makes me wonder what we're going to do with that. There's a gold mine there. If you wanted to explore Dr. Charles and mental health and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we've already seen what happened in one episode when he went off his meds. Go down that rabbit hole. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Because we don't really talk about, like, therapists going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. You never see hear or see anything about that. Right. And last season, it was in the romantic context because he was following right. for Lonnie. Right. We didn't even know Dr. Charles went to therapy until then. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, basically, this stuff just kind of ends. And we see at the very end of the episode that Arch- Archer's leaving um, – the shift for the night um he gets a call from cook county jail and it's his son his son's calling him back and he seems just as shocked as we all are so again we haven't seen any promos so we literally know nothing about next week but i hope we just get more of this because this is what i'm in this is what i'm here for this season sean archer that's his name i wonder who's playing him that's all we don't know anything i know i know oof we're setting up for some good stuff. stuff. Speaking of interesting stuff we're setting up for. Um, I just want you guys to know what the outline looks like for this. Okay, so so speaking of interesting stuff, let's talk about Ethan. Literally all I've got in the eye or in the outline is holy shit. <laughs> because literally Ethan has one thing by himself, but it's like the biggest thing in the whole episode. And we have a character leaving men, and this is, I would still argue, bigger than that. Holy shit. Drop the clip. April? Ethan, hi. I, um, I saw your dad's obituary. I, I would have come to the service, but I'm, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I didn't want it to be awkward, so. Um. Oh. Are you back in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, I finished my NP program. I'm working with a medical group here. Um, what about you? Are you all better? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Guess my NFL career is over, but. How's the family? Emily, baby? Well, it's probably huge by now. <laughs> Not a baby anymore, no. Um, good. Really good. You didn't get married or anything, did you? No. <clears throat> did you? No. 
Um, well, I will see you around. Yeah. It's crazy because Rotten Tomatoes kind of spoiled it. Like, it's been out there for a while, like, that Yaya's been listed as a guest star on this episode. But in no way, shape, or form did I ever believe that it was actually real. Yeah, it had been rumored. I don't think any of us believed it. I think all of us were just like, yeah, whatever. She randomly's on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, whatever. Like, Yeah, but I mean... Last and then when you think about it, like, they did get... Because they also had... Um, Eigenberg and Carol and Marina listed as guest stars for this episode too and they got all of those right so like I guess maybe we should have thought about it more but like I had no idea this was actually no idea this was how many great... times last season did some of these websites list Lisseth in the credits and yeah. we were like what and it was never true yeah or like Jesse Spencer you know like other Monica I mean like it happens a lot so we just didn't believe it but it was out there it's been out there for a long time that this was happening. I'm glad we didn't believe it, though. I actually, I really like the surprise. I will say that I really like the surprise, but I do wonder. It makes me wonder in what capacity is she actually coming back? Right. Because none of the episode descriptions so far, again, we've only seen two and three at this point. None of the episode descriptions have April listed anywhere. Like... Do we really think she left Med only to go? I mean, granted, I know her new show didn't work out. It got canceled. But, like, do you really think that she was like, you know what? I already left a show that I loved to go do something else. I'm going to go back to that show just because of my other opportunity. Like, do you think that she's really coming back for, like, a full-time gig? She's got to be at least recurring. They wouldn't have had this scene if it was just going to be one and done. Right. And unless you told me that Brian was leaving, which it doesn't seem like Brian's leaving, but I couldn't see her coming back for one time if they were going to use it as like a way to get Brian off. But it doesn't seem like they're doing that. I'm surprised that she came back. I didn't think she would. I really didn't think she would. I didn't think she, like I said, if you had told me in like a season or two from now that like Brian was leaving and they wanted to use her to write him off, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I think she would have come back. But I'm really surprised she's coming back. It's a really nice reminder that you can go home again. Hint, hint, yeah. PD. Yeah. And that sometimes I think it's a really good reminder that timing, and again, which we'll get to with the fire stuff too, that like timing is really everything. Yeah. That like sometimes it's just not like that. They, this person can be the love of your life. And sometimes timing just doesn't work out. But that doesn't mean that like in a year from now and five years from now that like it won't work. So you brought up an interesting point when we were texting about this the other day about, you know, you weren't totally thrilled that April was back just because you were just I kinda, still kind of, yeah, I yeah. still hold, I, I guess I've come around rewatching it again today. I guess I wouldn't say I'm as negative about it as I was like a couple days ago, but I still feel like I have to fall in love with Ethan and April again because I just feel so burned by them. And all their toxic back and forth and, like, what was seasons three, four, five, six. I mean, like, that was just such a long, toxic relationship. That on the one hand, it is a little hard for me to get excited about it. Because I'm just like, if we go back into the patterns of that, like, I'm just, I'm not here for that. Like, that's not what I want. But I will say, I think the more that I thought about it and rewatching it again, there's a couple things that I wasn't thinking about that do make me a little, I guess, hopeful for a good reunion with this mm -hmm. is one. I think med is a different show. 
because April left at the end of season six and we've already said that seven was a completely different show. It felt different. I don't know, even though it was a lot of same writing staff, whatever it was, it was just a different show. So we haven't had Ethan and April under the umbrella of the new med. So that makes me a little hopeful. And two, I think time is a I think time is going to be really good for them. Like the fact that they both had time apart, they've both grown a lot in the year, whatever it's been since they've last seen each other. I mean, April's gone off and finished her nursing degree or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ethan, through everything he went through, getting shot, all the rehab, losing his dad, finding out his dad was actually gay. I mean, like, Ethan's been through a lot of stuff, too. And so I'm hoping their growth is going to realize what they, you know, all the mistakes they made when they were together. So I guess I'm still hopeful, but I'm still, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess I should say. Because I still feel like I'm traumatized by the toxicity that was sex toy. And I just need to learn to love them again. Yeah, I was, I wasn't, I was never really attached to April. So seeing her again, it did nothing for me. But I was, I know I was happy for Ethan. I'm happy for Ethan. Yeah. That they get a second chance. And like you said, I mean, a lot of time has gone by. They've changed. So yeah. that's why I'm excited is I'm happy for I'm happy for Ethan. Like if he were my friend, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you get that chance again. After all you've been through, you deserve this. Yeah. And I, I just like said, I'm really curious in how much time, time they actually spend together. I mean, like, I don't know. There's so many. Again, we don't know anything. We're literally just watching these episodes in a bubble. So we don't know anything besides, you know, we really don't know anything. So. I guess I'm just curious to see what happens, how much time we spend with them. Like she's not working at med as of right now. So is this a strictly like outside? And I think that would honestly, I know people probably, and again, we're not on Twitter right now. We don't know anything. I'm sure people would want April to come back to med, but honestly, I think I would be okay. Even if she was just recurring as like them dating and having a relationship outside of med. And I think it would be a lot healthier for them if they're not working together. I agree with that. And I think it'd be a more grown up. Like, I think they would approach their relationship more as grown ups because that was so many of the issues, too, is that like they would start working together and then they would conflict on a case. And remember when April worked in the COVID ICU and how terrible that was for their just friendship. I mean, it was just there was a lot of issues that stem from them working together. And I think it'll be a lot healthier for them if they actually keep April working and wherever she's working and just if they're going the relationship route like have them just be you know together outside of med yeah yeah I also love that they found each other at his dad's grave yeah it's it just showed like April was there to pay her respects with I just think is so sweet and just Right, like it's she was doing perfect. that regardless of whether Ethan showed up or not. Bingo, yep. And that I think says a lot about April and I think it says a lot about their relationship and even just their friendship before they were ever together romantically. Like the fact that she had enough respect for him to be like, yeah, I heard about it. And even if Ethan never knows that I showed up, like it was important for me to show up and pay my respects to this person that meant so much to this other person that I love. Exactly. And yeah. It's a testament to their relationship. Yeah, for sure. How they still care about each other. Yeah. So like I said, cautiously optimistic. We'll see. You know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, yeah, I'm all in on this. Like I because I'm not. But I I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. 
Yeah. I want Ethan to be happy. That's really at this at the at my core. Like I want Ethan to be happy. Yep. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And then last up, we've got Maggie. Where what are we doing with this this season? Where are we going? This is the thing I'm least looking forward to. Right. I do I'm, not I'm concerned. I do not want a love triangle with a married couple and someone trying to break them up. I just don't. Like that is not that is not what I want. Right. That's not what I want. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. So Grant comes to visit Vanessa and mm-hmm. you know. Vanessa's just like hey Grant came to see me at work and Maggie's just not thrilled no she's She's trying to keep her distance I gotta go yeah yeah so she runs into Grant at the end of the episode outside of the hospital and she just says she's like hey like that's great that you guys are gonna get to know each other and have this relationship I can't be part of that I'm married I love my husband we can't interact but I think the thing that I worry about is I think, and I don't think Maggie would cheat. I don't think, I would hope they don't go so far as to have Maggie cheat on Ben, but like, especially given everything they've gone through. But I think my worry is that Maggie's only setting those boundaries because I think she still has feelings for this guy. Yeah. And like, there is some unresolved history and tension there clearly. And that is the reason she has to set the boundaries. It'd be one thing if she just didn't care for the guy. Like she's like, he's not, he's kind of an asshole, but like if Vanessa wants to get him to know him, then like she can do that. That's her prerogative. I'm just not going to be part of it. But that's clearly not why she's setting these boundaries. She's setting these boundaries because she seeing him again has brought up something she's buried so deep and she's kind of forgotten about. And now it's like coming back to the surface and she's like, nope, got to keep it down. Like, cannot go there. No, no, no. I'm married. No, thank you. And I just, yeah. I think that last scene when she sees them by the car, I think that's her realizing like, I can't, even if I set these boundaries, it's not going to happen because you know, Vanessa, she wants the relationship with Vanessa, but she doesn't want it with Grant, but that's not possible now. Yeah. And I guess, like I said, I, I hope that they don't ruin Maggie. Cause I think if they have Maggie go so far as to like cheat on uh, Ben with Grant, like, I feel like they ruin Maggie's character at that point. And I don't think they, I don't think they'll do that. I mean, they don't tend to do that on the wolf shows. I hope not. Like I, said, I just, and I don't think they will, but like, I just, that's not what, that is not what I want. I do not want a married love try. That's, I don't. No, that's don't. not a good look. No, not no. a good look. Yeah. But any other notes on med? No, it's a, one hell of a premiere. Yeah. One hell of a premiere. Definitely one hell of a premiere. Really, really good. Really good. All right. Moving into fire. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's another one where we just pick up right where we left off. Yep. Uh, get us started with the Stellarides. All right. So, I mean, Stellarides. We start off and we are literally start off with honeymoon sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. I mean, let's talk about sex. I mean, literally. Uh, so, yeah. So, they're in the middle of having sex. And Stella just, like, keeps hearing something. And Kelly's like, no, no, no. You're hearing things. It's fine. Whatever. And all of a sudden, they both hear, you know, something. And they see the doorknob start to jiggle. And so, like, Kelly gets up. 
somehow puts some underwear on back like super fast and all of a sudden the door gets shot open and it's like oh fuck we literally got a horror movie in the teaser literally like we got a full horror movie right before like in the, in the midst of like four minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so basically, Stella and Severide end up running through the back window, and but Campbell's guys end up following them. So they split up, and basically, they're running, both running, whatever. And basically, Stella ends up with a gun in her face. She is, like, this close to death. But not before Kelly fucking Severide comes over and stabs the guy with a pitchfork. Just Severide things. Just Severide things. I mean, literally. I was like, oh my God. And then basically the cops show up and they're fine. But it's just like, literally that image of him like with the pitchfork, like stabbing the guy in the back. I mean, damn. Yeah. So that makes, because he doesn't kill this guy, right? The guy doesn't die. Or they is it implied that I he I don't dies? think so. I think, I, I think he's just in prison. So but... I was going to say that otherwise is like two guys killed by Severide in like 48 hours. <laughs> or 72 hours, maybe. Right. Which is a lot of murder in 72 hours. Yeah, but I still don't think the guy in the courthouse was his fault. They need to fortify that glass at the courthouse. Yeah, but it's just it's just like, oh, seven, two murders in 72 hours. But yeah, I don't think this guy dies either. But So our friend, at, our friend at Fangirlish, Lizzie, she in her preview had mentioned that pretty much this teaser is like a horror movie and it's one that she would watch. And I completely agree. I, I mean, you give me like a hour and a half bad scary movie with stellar ride i'm in yeah i could watch if it was this if it remains at this level of like more suspense than horror i could probably i could i could keep up with it that was entertaining af and it i thought that was really well done yeah like and i think they spent just the right amount of time on like having the chase scene essentially wrapping it up like just being done with you know, where they left off at the finale last year. Like, I thought they, like, handled it beautifully and kind of was like, okay, we moved on now. Like, here's the end of this. Like, we're move on. Okay, we're good. 10.0 execution fire. 10.0. Yeah, I thought this was really well done. Yes. Very, very, very um, much so. So, yeah. Basically, then we jump, time jump two weeks, um, which I do think it's funny. I didn't put this in the outline, but, like, at one point, Gallo and the – replacement guy Munzel or whatever his name mm-hmm. is they're like talking about the fact that like they think it's so impressive that like Stellaride is back at work after two weeks and Cruz is like uh try two days like the fact that it Stellaride would return to work after something like this like two days later mm-hmm. they just would that is so that is so Stellaride yeah absolutely um but Kelly still seems a little bit off and Stella of course as his now wife just still like every time they use the word like wife or you know husband or whatever in this episode i'm just like oh yeah they're married now i'm ne- like never that doesn't get old i would just like to point out that they've been married for two weeks and we've already got severide being like my wife this my wife that we may never get it with upstead yeah i'm not bitter <laughs> yeah yeah severide's just like basically bragging at this point about how much he loves being married it's great oh uh, it's, it's great. the this is so especially good. coming from Severide of all people. It's it's the best. Mm-hmm. It's the best. It's Chef's kiss or Chef's kiss character development. It's yeah, so good. Absolutely. But anyway, so Stella, of course, as his wife, is like very in tune to like the fact that Kelly's probably not actually okay. 
but you know and so she goes and finds him and she's like is everything okay and she's like you seem a little on edge and he's like swears he's fine and they just end up being adorable and like kissing in the bunk room and it just it's stellarite is cute af they're just the best so good yeah so Cruz stopped by Severide's office and, you know, to tell him about some part they need to order or whatever. And he notices, like, that Kev- Severide has a suit sitting in his chair. And he says, like, yeah, I got to go, like, testify after work, even though he like, really technically doesn't have to. And Severide's, like, committed, though. He's like, you know, anything I can do to help pile on the charges, he's like, I just want to make sure they deal with Campbell's mole in the CPD. Severide gives us such an interesting perspective in this episode because, I mean... We kind of approach this from the PD point of view where we're like, well, wait a second. He's a CI. It's really a very complicated world. They're probably trying to get a bigger fish. Like we see this the way intelligence sees it, but Severide helps us see it the way he sees it, where he's like, this is a no brainer. You've got a mole. You need to snuff him out. He still, it doesn't matter that he's a mole. He still almost got me killed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of the point. So Severide finishes testifying and he tell we run in, he runs into Prima and you know he tells prima that like in court they didn't say anything about the mole and prima's like yeah yeah yeah, we're on top of it like it's being handled and then we get this whole confrontation you don't have to worry about this you're safe i'm not worried about me my wife almost got killed because of some cop on the take opening courthouse side doors for campbell's goons feeding information about my whereabouts and it doesn't seem like you're doing everything in your power to take this guy down i mean what's the hold up hey what are you waiting hey hey i don't report to you it's a police matter. Let the police hit. You're not. Stay in your lane. And that's basically exactly the point. It's This is exactly the battle that we're having with Prima and Severide. Is Prima's on the side of like, no, like we can use moles. They're good. You know, we're not trying to like bust his balls. But Severide's like, I mean, he literally says, he's like, my wife almost got killed because of some cop on the take and like opening courthouse doors and whatever. And he's like, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything in your power to take this guy down. I love the shift we see in Kelly yeah episode. i love it it's so good so severide's still pissed he's so pissed at prima he basically leaves the courthouse and goes to visit upton again another little crossover we love to see it at the 21st and basically because she's a cop he's like hoping he's like i hope you can help me understand like why prima would be dragging his feet and upton basically is on prima's side even though she's like trying to play good cop bad cop she's like trying to like keep severide at bay but like she's basically on prima's side she's like listen like he might be leaving the mole in place for if he can be an asset and he is furious severide is like pissed and upton's just like you know the world of ci's can be pretty messy like believe me and severide's like it's not the world i live in severide's just like the guy almost got stella and i killed like he's like i want his head on a bike yeah yeah i think i i like I kind of like the dynamic that Stella or not Stella, Kelly and Haley could have working together. Like those two could be either like really good solving an arson together or really bad because they would both encourage each other to do bad things. I would love to see them because I feel like especially in crossover, which and this is terrible and I hate that I'm going to bring this up, but I have to because it just came in my mind. But like in crossover situations, normally when we've seen like teams work together, it's been like severide casey and then like jay like that's normally kind of the pairing we get in terms of like crossover working together yeah but now we don't have casey and we're not gonna have jay so like i feel like 
Severide and Upton would kind of make an interesting pair in a crossover situation to like work together and have scenes together. Like it would kind of make, you know, now that they're, I'm assuming that uh, Tracy moves up on the call sheet, I would Mm -hmm. assume, but like, it would just kind of be interesting to see them work together now that we don't have Casey and we don't have Jay. And it's just, you know, I think professionally they would have a very similar dynamic to Manstead. To Manstead? No, in, I don't want, no way. No, 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 as in, as in they would both like, they, they both kind of think the same way when they really like get into it. And it would just basically be like gasoline to a fire. You really, I really disagree. I really think that like, I don't think they would butt heads that much at all. No, I don't think they would butt heads, but I think they would, they, they both operate similarly, right? Like when Haley gets, when Haley gets really deep in a case, she acts the way Severide is acting in this episode. And That's so fair. I think they would I agree with each that. other on. I, okay. I just wouldn't use the phrase gasoline to fire. That makes it sound like it's like a bad thing. Well, I know it's not necessarily a good thing, but it would be entertaining. I don't know. I don't, I think it would, I think it'd be interesting, but we'll see if that we ever get a like full blown crossover again. I think we're just crafting this like dream arson episode. We really are. We, we, as I said, we really are. Oh, I thought you said you, I was like, no, no, you're in this too. I said we, cause then when you add Violet to the mix and the fact, if you think about the fact that Andrea and Derek said at the one Chicago day last year that they want to do like hospital, you know, stuff like it would be so good. Mm-hmm. It would be so good. Yep. Yep. Mm. Anyway. So basically, Stella gets home from Molly's and she asks Severide, like, how his visit with Upton went. And she, you know, he's like, it was fine. He's like, I didn't really get anything. You know, and he's like, Severide about it. And Stella's like, well, maybe you should go see Commander Pierce. And I, it took me a second. And I think we have seen Commander Pierce, right? Maybe once. I. I don't recall. Is that the same guy who when Stella was going, well, when Stella was trying to become a lieutenant and Severide had that confrontation with the guy, was that the same dude? It could have been. I feel like maybe it was the same guy. And if we is, it's the only time I think we've ever seen him. I don't recall him making a comment about Benny in that episode. No, I don't think that I, but they don't say anything about him saying something about Benny. I thought it was Grizz who said the thing about Stella and kind of implied that, like, oh, she's only advancing Mm -hmm. because you're with her. We haven't seen Grizz in, like, seasons. That would have been season nine that that comment happened. Remember when Severide started taking a step back because from Stella because he thought that, you know, that was going to be better for Stella's career. And then that's when the last time they were on the rocks and Kylie saved the day. Do you remember season yeah, nine? Yeah, yeah. I, I can like hear the scene in my head when Severide's like, "You're yeah, it's not Grizz. Like, maybe you should Grizz. retire." We haven't seen Grizz since seven. Really? Season seven, maybe eight. We haven't seen him since time. COVID. Nine was COVID season. It could be that could be the person. It's uh, just I feel like look. he looked kind of familiar, and I, that's the only scene I can place him in is mm-hmm. potentially that scene. But I'd have to go back and watch that scene. I don't remember at the time. But anyway, Severide takes Stella's suggestion to go see this Commander Pierce guy. And he just does that. And we're just going to play the whole clip. Need some help with the little situation I got roped into. You did him wrong. Your father loved you above all else. 
He'd have done anything for you. I know that. Then why, toward the end of his life, did he have to lean on friends like me instead of his only son? I think you know Benny was a complicated man. He was your father, and he deserved better than what you gave him. So what makes you think I'm inclined to do any favors for you? When I was 16, uh, I came home late one night and I saw Benny sitting in the dark, halfway through a bottle of rye, tears on his face. I asked him what was wrong. Uh, he just kept muttering on and on about some big mistake he almost made. The kind of thing you can't undo. That he'd be rotting in jail right now if Marty Pierce hadn't set him straight. Uh, the next day, when he sobered up, I asked him about it. He just acted like he didn't know what I was talking about. But from then on, one thing I knew for sure. You were a man of honor. Betting was not an easy man to steer in the right direction. I'm not here because I think you'll do me any favors. I'm here because I know you'll do what's right. This is not where I thought this was going. I didn't know. I When he started bringing Benny into this, I was like, where is this going? Yeah, who the fuck is this guy? It's really interesting, though. I'm kind of like the Benny stuff. With, I don't know. Like, I, I like hearing more about Severide, you know, as like young and his relationship with Benny because it was so complicated. And I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, interesting for sure. And And I'm really impressed that Kelly took the high road just like Crockett did. I mean, yeah. but also, like, who who the hell is this? Like, who do you think you are? And also, how does that solve anything? Like, what do you mean? How does it solve anything? As in, he's coming to you for a present day issue, and you're just gonna sit in the past and be like, "Here's why you were horrible, a horrible son to Benny," when you're not even related. Who the hell are you? Yeah, I, I think it was coming from a like, why am I gonna do a you a favor when you treated my best friend like shit? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I think, why he said that. But um, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I think it's interesting. And like you said, the fact that Severide takes a high road. Severide could have basically said, like, fuck off. Like, you know. But Severide has grown so much in 11, in 10 years. Like, Severide doesn't do that shit anymore. No. It's great. It's amazing. So basically, Severide comes home and he finds Prima waiting for him. And Prima's just like, I don't know how you have so much pull inside the department, but like you just cost me a useful CI. And, you know, basically Prima was using the CI and the mole, you know, to shut down a major heroin pipeline. And Severide's just like, well, he got what he deserved. And Prima's like, yeah, he did. But you just also lost yourself a valuable friend. I mean, Sev just can't see the, like, he can't, he only sees like, the fish he doesn't see the whole pond yeah but, but I, still I think, think i don't think either one of them are wrong no like i think i do agree that like there is obviously useful like that's the whole point of ci's is using them for information to help bring down bad guys and like in prima's eyes this guy what he did in the severide campbell situation yeah it was terrible but like they can use him to fry a bigger fish Right. And that's how Prima sees it. But in Severide's eyes, like, this guy almost killed not only him, but Stella. And, you know, and he should be punished for that. Like, so then neither one of them is wrong. It's just they can't see eye to eye. 
Right. Uh, which is why them working together in two episodes is going to be really interesting. Yeah. And I'd much rather take that. Granted, we all know that Andy Allo is filming uploads, so I don't think she's going to be around for a while. But I would much rather take that with some actual new dynamics and new tension. And like if Severide's going to play Fire Cop or a version of Fire Cop, like give us something new to it. Mm-hmm. And I think this, the fact that they're using a new detective with, like I said, new tension, like it's going to at least make it interesting and different than what we've seen him when he comes to Fire Cop, you know, yeah. in the past. Um, and then we end with a really great stellar eyed cuddle sesh on the couch. And we're just going to play. You lost a friend? What is that? Is that, is that some kind of threat? I doubt it. Bruno's a good man. But I couldn't back down from this battle. Yeah, I noticed. Is everything okay? When I agreed to testify and take Camel down, I was only thinking of the risk to myself. But we're married now, a team. And after everything happened at the cabin, it hit me hard that the moves I make affect you just as much. Could have gotten you killed. Hey, don't do that. I was with you every step of the way. I always will be. You sure about that? I mean, I did give you the worst honeymoon ever. (laughs) Every day I spend with you is a honeymoon. Again, the growth from Severide is like amazing. The self-awareness. It is art. It's like, I feel like we've only been waiting for him to say this for like years. And he mm-hmm. finally does. And it's just like, holy shit. And my question is, I mean, for for, Ke- for Kelly and Stella both, is that like, they've both been engaged and married before. Did they never feel this way beforehand? Well, we know Severide got married in Vegas. That doesn't count. Hmm his wedding doesn't count Brittany and doesn't we don't count. know anything about his engagement to renee because that was before the show's even started oh yeah i forgot he was technically engaged at that point too mm-hmm. yeah and i mean stella and grant i think grant had so many issues going on by himself that like probably not or i think stella may have felt that way because she felt like she had to go down with grant because mm-hmm. grant anyway she hit finally a point and she's like no i don't have to keep going down with you but yeah oh my god there's just something so beautiful about this moment yeah and the fact like you said we've only been waiting for severide to realize this for 10 years now Mm -hmm. and the actual realization is better than anything i could have dreamed yeah it's like you said it's pure art Mm -hmm. put this in the top stellaride moments of ever (laughs) yeah yeah, and, and I just can't help but like smile at the, the the scene, and I can't put my finger on like what exactly I want to say to express it, but it's just so perfect. Mwah. Yeah, that's so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. Oh, so stellaride. Yes, love it. 
So Stella also had a little something else going on with the new recruit who has now joined the unit um, named Carver. So we start the episode, Stella goes to see Bowden and she mentions that Mason is fighting wildfires. Did, is he, is he with Casey? I don't know, but like what changed in two weeks? Right. Like, it's not like you said, this is the end, you know, this all stuff happened in the beginning of summer and now it's the end of summer. Like, if you told me that, I'm like, okay, but like, it's been two weeks. What all of a sudden didn't made Mason go back and fight wildfires? Yeah. It makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. No sense no. at all. And it, it doesn't sound like we're going to get a resolution. So in my happy little white space in my head, he's in Portland with Casey. Yeah. Like Casey, when they came for the wedding, Casey talked him into coming out to Portland and yeah, I can, yeah, I can, they totally, they, they hit it off and now like he's up there in Portland. I yep. will say at least, even though I don't like this resolution and I, you know, don't want to buy it, but like, at least we got something. I'll yeah. take getting something over like Rojas where we literally still don't know what happened to her to this day. Yeah. She's somewhere in the multiverse. the fact that Derek and Andrea at least throw in a line. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You don't always get it. <laughs> no, no. So his temporary replacement is this guy named Munzel, and he's not cut out for truck. He's terrible. Oh, he's so terrible. He's up there with like, um, well, I cannot think of any other names. Chout? Uh, like Chout and um, Macaulay. And like, he's mm-hmm. just, he's up there with like some of the worst people we've ever had. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. So Bowden just mentions, he's like, I have somebody in mind. I've invited them to swing by at the end of shift. And Stella's like, great, perfect, awesome, thanks. So later on that afternoon, Stella meets the new guy. This is Sam Carver, that's his name. And they know each other. They know each other because they went to the academy together. She is suspicious AF. Like she's mm-hmm. not, she's not she really ain't having it. Yeah. No, no. So she just kind of tries to smooth it over and she just kind of forces the forces it out where she's like, if Bowden says you're a top-notch firefighter, I know it's true. Mm-hmm. She tried. She tried. <laughs> so Carver leaves and Stella immediately is like, he's trouble. He's arrogant. He is not cut out for 51. And he just says, he's like, I disagree. And he just says, maybe your leadership is just what he needs to work out the kinks. And so she's kind of put off, but she's like, all right, like, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not inclined to disagree with Bowden. So this whole time I was just kind of like, all right, let's just feel this. Bowden did it for a reason and we just haven't seen it. And Stella hasn't seen it. Yeah. But I do think, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Miranda said in our interview that like one of the best things kind of about Stella is Stella. And what makes this storyline different from some of the other times, like with Pelham or whatever, is Stella's really typically a good judge of character. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, Stella, but Stella's judgments on this guy are based on things that happened, like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. I mean, I don't remember how long it's been since Stella was in the Academy. But, like, obviously things can change, people can change, and so... Bowden, I think, like you said, I'm not inclined to uh, disagree with Bowden, but Bowden, you know, he has a reason we just haven't seen it yet. Exactly. Exactly. And so Stella invites Carver to have a drink at Molly's to kind of clear the air before he starts at 51. I so appreciate her blunt honesty, though. I love how she's just like, you're arrogant. Yeah. And like, he's just like, all right, like I've changed. I'm different. And so I I love how he says that. He's like, it's one of the reasons I'm so stoked to be at 51 is to show you the kind of firefighter I am now. And so as he does this, he scratches his arm and it reveals some kind of like giant scar on his arm. Yeah. Stella doesn't say anything, but like she definitely sees it. Yeah. So 
he asks her about becoming a lieutenant and she just mentions that, you know, DC Hill was a big supporter. And so right when you think everything is going well, he just goes, oh, well, that makes sense. And she's like, the fuck do you mean? And he's like, just that I can see her being a fan. It's like, just when I think maybe I like you. And then it's like, no, don't like you yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Stella goes home and she just vents about the comment to Severide. And she's just like, like, what does that mean? So Severide's like, well, what are you going to do? And she just says, she's like, Bowden loves this guy. So I've kind of got to do my best to make it work. Yeah. So Bowden introduces Carver to everybody. And then he basically tells the story of how Carver got the scar on his arm. So basically there was a giant fire, a staircase gave way, and there was a firefighter on that staircase who would have fallen through like into the basement. Yeah. But Carver reached down and held on to him. For like like, 30 minutes. Yeah. 30, 40 minutes or something like that. And never like, never let go, never did anything. He just held on to him the whole time. Basically is the reason why like he got to go home to his family that day. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they do a really good job in this episode of showing that he's, he's a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job writing that. In he's this a episode. Gallo. I mean, it not, he's not the same kind of like doe-eyed as Gallo because Gallo was like brand new to the job. Carver clearly has years of experience on the job, but he's very much a Gallo in that like, you can't teach that. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, he still may have some, like you said, like he's a rough diamond. Like he's still got some like fine tuning and stuff to do, but like, you can't teach what he has. Just like you can't teach Gallo what Gallo what makes Gallo special. Yeah, exactly. And I I love how in every scene Carver's in in this episode, it starts out really well, and then he says one thing at the end that kind of like turns it back around. Well, and I think it is really important as we like again, kind of like with the Pelham situation. You know, the reason I think we all kind of ended up vouching for Pelham. Granted that Stella ended up seeing him as a good guy, but like Bowden, if Bowden thinks you're a good guy, then like. That says a lot about who you are and who your character is. And the fact that, like, Bowden says, he's like, you know, and that's when I knew he was 51 material. Like, the fact that Bowden is vouching for this guy basically off of one call. Like, he doesn't even really know the guy. He just knows that, like, he's a damn good firefighter. Like, I feel like that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't see it yet. And, like, we haven't totally seen it yet. And his personality maybe not that great yet. But, like, Bowden vouching for you is, like, already getting you halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And I, I think the comparison to Gallo is interesting because it's it's a, it's similar, but it's kind of different, right? Gallo was a newbie, like yeah. fresh out of the academy coming in. So he he knew he had a lot to learn. He thought he still knew a lot, but yeah, he still, he knew that he didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Carver's in a position where he probably feels like he's on the same level as Stella because they went to the academy together. So yeah. he's going to have to humble himself in order to... Mm-hmm sand out those edges and become that pure 51 material yep yeah it's interesting and i i love the moment how ritter's like well you had a lot of swag when you came in and gallo goes yeah because i'm awesome <laughs> like he like kind of only learned, gallo only gallo oh, oh totally only gallo gallo kind of learned that he had to be he'd humble himself yeah yeah like he knew he had the skill but he had to learn to humble himself and and look at you know the team as a whole yeah you can't save yourself by being Spider-Man all the time. Exactly. So I or think save everyone else. Yeah. Carver's got the team aspect down. He just kind of has to tone down the ego. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just, I love the, I love the simplicity of it. Like, like Bowden just sees Bowden's like, he held on to his teammate for 35 minutes. That's 51 material. Like he's got is. the heart. It is. Yeah. 
I mean, granted, again, we don't know a ton about this guy, but if you tell me that, like, yeah, I I could say just from even that one, knowing that story, like, yeah, I could believe it. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. So the last call of the episode, all of 51 gets called to a wedding disaster gone wrong. Did this? Okay. So we're being like, at this point, how many weeks out from we are with your wedding? Like three and a half. Oh, three and a half. Show, yeah. yeah. Three and a half, a little under four. Did this give you like, are you like, oh, fuck, like, this is not what I needed to see, like, three weeks before my wedding? <laughs> no, no. Um, yes and no. Because <laughs> the yes part was like, why did it have to be a wedding? Right? <laughs> yeah. The no part was, the, the no part was me just being like, who, who sets off pyro under a tent? Yeah, yeah. But also, who has a wedding under a tent? A lot of people. When you live in the Midwest, when you live in Chicago, that is doable. What, you're saying people don't have tent weddings in Texas? It's like a quadrillion degrees all day, every day in Texas. And I just made up a new number right there. But we, I don't think we would do that unless it was like winter because it would, that's the only time it would be tolerable. Interesting. I know plenty of people who do like those kind of like fancy, like under a tent wedding type things like I know plenty of people who've done that I don't think that would work in the state of Texas because it's just so fucking hot all the time but yeah I think most people are smart enough to know not to set regardless of where you have it or whatever that like you don't set pyros off under the tent that is like a disaster waiting to happen right exactly so it did and it didn't give me anxiety (laughs) it was just funny because I was like man a wedding call a wedding related call like three weeks out from Gina's wedding I was like really I was like really Derek like really right right uh what was I gonna say oh well this weekend we went to Oktoberfest which was Mm -hmm. like not far from our house and it's the middle of September right so you should be able to wear long sleeves and jeans and be comfortable and everything it was like 95 degrees I know I'm already dreading like three weeks from now when I come to Texas for your wedding, like the weather. Because like, obviously like bridesmaids dress, like I don't have to pick it out, but it's like not necessarily the thinnest piece of clothing ever. I'm just like, thank God your wedding's mostly indoors. But the middle of October is a crapshoot. September is almost guaranteed to be hot. October is kind of a gamble. It, it should be gorgeous and perfect, but it could be hot. Yeah. It could be, it probably won't be unseasonably cold because that doesn't happen in Texas. That's fine. I just don't need it to be like 90 degrees. It might be. But thank God most of your wedding's inside. So we can handle it. Yeah, most of it's inside. I mean, that's my strategy. It's like in the summer months, I just stay inside. Yeah. That's why like when we were at Oktoberfest, I'm sitting there with like another member of the wedding party and a friend and I'm just like, why did why did I agree to go during the day? Why didn't I realize it was going to be hot? Yeah. But we had a good time. It was fun, yeah. but it was also hot. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't be able to wear a tank top and shorts past like a certain point of the year. Mm-hmm. We digress. But yeah, just, just, yeah. Well, I, I, I felt for the bride and groom for sure. I was like, oh man. And then that's how you remember the day for the rest of your life. Yeah. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wedding disaster gone wrong because the DJ set off pyrotechnics that will not be happening at my wedding. Um, yeah. Can confirm. Can confirm. Can confirm. That will not be happening. So Stella has Carver stay behind because she like she gets there and she's like, okay, Mouch, go do this. Gallo, go do this. Carver, cut the sound system. And so they get back from the call and Bowden's like, look, notice what you did with Carver. He's got a lot more potential than that. And we get this. 
saw the assignment that you gave to Carver during the call. He is capable of much more than that. I hope you're not gonna let your personal feelings for the man get in the way here. I am not. I assure you. Good. So you know, Chief. I was not sidelining him. He needs to know his place on my rig. He has not proven himself to me yet. Mouch and Gallo have, and I needed to see if he would handle that well, which he did. You told me to take him on board, and I did that. But now I respectfully ask that you take a step back and let me lead him. My way. I can do that. But just a small step. I feel like Bowden doesn't mess up very often. Bowden doesn't like cross lines very often. He, he dabbled in this episode. Yeah, he dabbled. I would say dabbled's the right word. I think he ended up by obviously at the end, he's like, I, you know, I, first of all, I'm proud of Stella for standing up for herself and her team and being the lieutenant and actually bleeding. Like, you know, I don't think she should have to prove herself and explain herself, but I'm glad that she did because Bowden clearly was not backing down from this fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that she, even though she respects Bowden a lot, she also was very comfortable in saying, you know, explaining what she did and why she did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Bowden, Bowden did save himself by like agreeing to let her lead. And even though he says like, but just a small step, like the fact that he's like, okay, like I trust you. Like if you're saying you're not doing this because of your feelings, then like, I respect that. And I can let you like lead. And I'm glad Stella feels comfortable enough to say that to Bowden. Yeah, for sure. It, but, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's kind of, Bowden's got to let her leave the nest now. Mm-hmm. He's done a really good job of molding her and getting her to this point. But as she says, she's like, you know, I, you know, it's basically, I have to do my job and like, I have to figure out like, like you, like what we were just saying, like he has to prove himself and I have to see what he's actually capable of. I can believe you and say, you can say it all you want, but I have to see it for myself and I have to figure out where he fits in on this team. And I can't do that if you're like watching me over my shoulder and judging me for everything I do. Mm-hmm. So, and based yeah. on the episode descriptions, it sounds like they pretty much settle their issues pretty quickly. Yeah, I hope so. And I think there's always going to be moments where, you know, as we're getting to know him, like I'm sure there's going to be moments and episodes later down the line where he has his flashes of his ego again and Stella has to be like, dude, like you can't do this. anymore. you know, like that's no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems like they settle whatever feud for sure pretty quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll be curious to see too um how like we said earlier with the episode description but like how carver fits into a comedy storyline because we know we've seen stella in comedy storylines we've obviously seen cap and tony in like 20 million comedy storylines but like how does carver fit into the comedy stuff right i think will be really interesting because that's also like a make or break like you've got to be able to do both on fire like as a show like you've got to be able to do all the serious and the you know like the really focused stuff on like your character but like you got to have your moments where you're not necessarily the focus but you got to be able to do the comedy yeah and i'll be curious to see how he handles his first comedy storyline same same that usually goes a long way in helping us warm up to a character yeah because once we finally got pelham in a comedy with the whole office thing it was like oh like this is good like i this is good yeah but it took a while to get there so yep 
very much so very much so um also can we just shout out stella's hair in this episode it's gorgeous yeah like the braids and like the crown oh my god so pretty yeah lieutenant stella kid is a great look also stella's not changing her name right like she she's not you think she's still stella kid i think so i don't think she'll change her name yeah i don't think so either Mm -hmm. i don't think so stella severide nah kid severide it doesn't flow eh. kid severide Eh. i don't she can be stella kid and he can be kelly severide and we're just gonna leave it at that yeah 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 so next up oh man a combination where we at we're still strong we're still strong (laughs) i didn't have any doubts but like it's good to see it this was like the cutest also if you're talking about will being a puppy dog i mean hawkins takes that to like the nth degree i know i know yeah yeah that was not what i expected either but i literally loved every second of it no it was so perfect okay just just go okay so basically, again, we're two weeks after the whole like Emma Stellaroid wedding situation. So Brett asked Violet, she's like, Have you heard from Hawkins? And Violet's like, No, I haven't called him back. Like, girl, what are you doing? You didn't even like, you didn't even call the man back. You just left him like Violet on a missed call. Like, girl, she ghosted him. She ghosted him. No, let's also make that a general rule of one Chicago do not no ghost ghosting. people. You can break up with them, but you cannot ghost them. No ghosting allowed. No, no. And she she even says she's like, I'm kind of paralyzed, which like I do get to some extent. And I understand why she just doesn't really know what to say to him. But like, girl, you still don't leave him on red for two weeks. Right. right. But also, it's not like things ended like it's not like things ended badly. It was just messy. No, she just feels like, you know, because her in her mind, she feels like he didn't stand up for her during the whole Emma situation. That's where she is. Because remember, she doesn't know at this point, she doesn't know all the stuff that he did for DC, you know, with DC right, Hill right. and that he really fought. He just knows basically that he, had, you know, Emma showed her true colors and he fired her that way is how she feels. Like he feels like he didn't, she didn't do anything for him or he didn't do anything for her. This is like Dossie era level of miscommunication. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Oh, my God. It's so bad. No more ghosting, Violet. It's so bad. So so Gallo sees a very disheveled, a very disheveled looking Hawkins over at the gas depot while Chuck is fueling up. Like, he looks terrible. Like, he looks like he hasn't slept in, like, days. That's what I was going to say. He definitely looks like he he hasn't slept. He's, like, ties all messed up. His hair's a mess. Like, he looks like he has not slept in days. He's rattled. Um, yeah, he's really rattled. And Gallo can tell, like, Gallo, Gallo of all people can even see it. And, you know, Hawkins is like, yeah, you know, after all that stuff went down, like, DC Hill transferred me to the south side of the city, you know. And Gallo's like, well, why? Because Gallo didn't know either that, like, nobody knew except for Hawkins that, like, he went to DC Hill to, like, stand up for Violet. And so, you know, Hawkins is telling Gallo all of this and Gallo's like in shock. Gallo's like, holy shit. Like I didn't realize basically Gallo realizes at this point that like Hawkins is first of all, just a better man than Gallo thought, but also Mm -hmm. that like, he really cared about Violet. This wasn't just some like boss employee hookup type thing to him. Like he really did care for her. Yeah. And And I am. And we talked about this a little bit over text. Like I'm glad that, all this stuff is kind of turning around in Gallo's eyes because I think that's really important in terms of like 
all of us being able to move on from Gallo and Violet and like <laughs> see Hakami for what they are and like have Gallo and like repair the friendship. Like, I just think it's really important that Gallo saw this first and then yeah. told Violet. I, I really do. I think they handled this great. It really is. And and it's it also helps because Gallo has a lot of ground to make up for last season. And he, so, this is a really big step in that. Exactly. And the fact that I think, too, he just comes out with a lot more respect for Hawkins. Like, he's even, you know, shakes his hand and he's like, you know, I hope you do well. Or I don't remember exactly what he says. But, like, that's just a lot. Because Gallo was the one who was, like, basically shitting on Hawkins all of last season and, like, didn't trust the guy and whatever. And, again, not that we needed Gallo's approval, but like, like you said, it helped. Gallo has a lot of shit to make up for for last season, and like, I think it just helps everyone move on. That like, we are seeing Gallo respect Hawkins a lot more. Yes, yeah. I, I think that was it was like the right move to do it this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, Ambo gets back from a call, and Gallo goes over to Violet, and he's like, "Hey, I ran into Hawkins, and I don't know if you knew that he got transferred, and you know all this stuff." And she has no idea because, again, she ghosted the man. She has no idea, none whatsoever. And Gallo's like, "Yeah, like he seemed a little spun out about everything," and so Violet like rushes to go call him, and she's a little, I think, taken aback by the fact that like he doesn't pick up. But she still leaves him a message anyway. And she's like, please just call me back. Like, I, just call me back. I caught that too. How like she, the first line of the voicemail, she's like, oh, you didn't answer. Honey, it went immediately to voicemail. He's got his phone off. Right. But she, I think she just, I don't know. I don't know if she thought that he was just going to be sitting around waiting for her to call. Obviously, given the way Gallo told her that like, he seems kind of spun out about it. Mm-hmm. But she definitely is very taken back by like, he doesn't, the fact that he doesn't answer the phone. But so anyway, so after shift, we're all at Molly's and Violet is like in her feelings sad because she still hasn't heard back from Hawkins. And she's like, I'm worried he's over me that like he's not calling me back for a reason. And Brett is like, there is no chance of that. She's like, that guy would do anything for you, which like it's all very obvious to us. But I love the fact that everyone else basically knows that, too. Um, Drunk Sylvie is one of my favorite new characters. It's the best. I mean, we even use that line to Kara in our say what game. Yeah. But like drunk Sylvie is like some great moments. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's an iconic Chicago Fire moments. Because sure. she just says what she's thinking. And it's true. I, like I said, I love the fact that everyone literally around that knows that Hawkins would do anything for Violet. And Violet is starting to see it and realize it. But like everyone else already knows it at this point. Oh my God. And their relationship was a secret for so long and everyone else still knows that. You know what might fix Berzik once and for all is Drunk Sylvie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody needs to write that fanfic. Like, all this time, the solution was right in front of us, and it was just on the show that airs an hour before. Someone write that fanfiction, please. Oh, my goodness. We figured it out. We can cure them. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Seven seasons later. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I need that fanfiction now. So Mouch casually mentions, and this line is hysterical because he's like, you know, Bowden had mentioned to me that he was going to this white shirt meeting where they basically just, you know, I don't remember exactly this line, but he's like, where they basically tell you to stop picking on women and old people and whatever. It's just like classic Mouch. But basically he's like, oh yeah, Bowden had this meeting and like Hawkins, you know, being an officer still like probably had to go to that too. And she's like, maybe he's like, maybe that's why you didn't hear from him. And Violet's just like, Mouch, you're a fucking genius. Like, um, 
So basically, Violet rushes out of Molly's and ends up waiting for Hawkins outside of his apartment, and we get this adorable scene. I, I left you a voicemail. In the meeting, I had a million messages. I never thought one would be from you. Thought you were done with me. Why is this the cutest thing I've ever seen? It is so cute. I'm obsessed. I've watched it like way too many times. Obviously, it's me. But I love and like, I think this obviously before, you know, it says a lot like the fact that they're all in like, you know, when he's like, are you really here? Like, yes, it means like, are you really real? I think that's what he's saying in his mind. But I think it's too like, are you really in on this? And she's like, yeah, like I am like completely and totally like where we're in it. Like we're on the same page. A combination going strong. We're rising, baby! We are rising! Woo! Season 11 is our season. All right, I'm curious, even though you guys all know the answer to this, but again, we're recording in the past. Does Jimmy tweet out a combination rise tweet to kick off the season? Yes. I feel like he has to. But not at the beginning of the, not at the beginning of the episode, probably like after this scene. Okay, fair, fair. I, he has to. And then next week, he will continue to do it like two hours before the episode. A combination. We are rising. Yeah. I love it so much. So next shift, Brett noticed, you know, Violet's in a great mood. And she's like, well, how did things go with Hawkins? And, you know, they worked everything out. And, you know, but Brett's like, well, what happens now that, you know, Hawkins isn't working, you know, in this district? And Brett's like, actually, like, he doesn't want to stop the transfer because it means they can be a real couple out in the world. It's all we ever wanted. This is the best. And so then we get their first, like, real outing out in the world at Molly's. And I just, I die. I die. I die. Can we make this more of a thing? Because I remember when Linstead had their first outing at Molly's feeling like, glitter and rainbows were exploding inside of me can we just make this a more often thing where like couples mean go public at molly's have their first like official outing as a couple at molly's yeah yeah and that's how everybody so you're saying that when ethan and april get back together they have to become a couple at molly's and when hannah and will get together in the end they have to have their first outing at molly's they don't have to like have their first kiss at molly's but like no, first outing yeah first outing and i would say if berzik ever got back together but i still losing out hope on that one and so i don't we know we found anymore. the fix we have found the fix but anyway and pd also ignores the fact that molly exists anymore so like berzik isn't ever going back to molly's so yeah but, but this is great and like i didn't think i ever needed this like it's funny you see it in like fan fiction or whatever but like i didn't think i needed this and i'm like damn why did i never put this on my wish list mm-hmm. but i need more of them just hanging out at molly's with everyone i, I just had the best merch idea okay um, like forest green shirt, and then in camo it says Hakami Nation Army. <laughs> that was funny. Um, 
but it really is cute like i said it's kind of how things end with them i mean they're just like you know this feels a little hawkins is like you know this feels a little strange and she's just like if strange you mean amazing then yeah if strange you mean amazing because they are completely and totally in love oh my god and it's the best it's the best yeah do we have to talk about anything else can we just stay here in the hakami bubble i know because i really don't want to talk about the sadness that's coming up next but i like the hakami bubble Uh, yeah we could stay in our hakami bubble forever (laughs) for all i care it's nice and cozy and happy here we love it and no feelings get hurt and i feel like the fact that jimmy keeps filming is a good sign that it's like sticking around i will say the one thing that i don't we were talking about this too again right after we first saw this it seems like jimmy's been out on calls with them a lot at least from like behind the scenes filming so how does that happen if he's now in a different district i think he's just maybe he's filling in i don't know maybe he does but it's just it's something i feel like we which i was like you know when we first started seeing all these behind the scenes photos is like oh it's great hawkins is out on calls with them we love this whatever and i still love that idea but it's like how does that realistically work if he's now in a like completely different district? Shh, don't question it. Just go with it. I know. As long as Jimmy stays on the show, it doesn't matter. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, Derek and Andrea, you didn't hear anything about you heard that. Heard nothing. No. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. Oh man. I don't want to get out of the Hakami bubble. Now we gotta go sad. Uh, fine. Okay. Let's talk about Brett. So Brett and Violet are watching the Ambo and Brett mentions it's been over a week since she and Casey have talked on the phone. That's not good. That's not. No, no, no. God. So Violet just reminds her, she's like, someday soon it'll get better. And Brett just says, that's the key phrase is someday. Like she's getting real sick of hearing someday. I keep hearing Linstead in my head, like, oh, you know, maybe someday. And it's like, oh, yeah, someday. Like, I, it took me a second. I was like, I heard that in my head. And I was like, where do I know that from? And I was like, shit, Derek wrote it in season freaking one of PD. That's where I know it from. I didn't even think of that. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. So Brett is out on the floor and she sees Kyle. Remember Kyle? Kyle. He's back. This was not necessary. It was not necessary. Well, it was, but it wasn't. Okay. So he's in town and wanted to catch up, but of course they get interrupted by the bell. So they get into the ambo and Violet's like, who's that? And she goes, my ex-fiance. The timing is just exquisite here. Because like right as they pull up, you just hear what? Yeah. Because obviously Violet wasn't around in those days. So she doesn't know. It's just, it's funny. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So after shift, Brett meets Kyle for like lunch or dinner, whatever they're doing. And we find out that Kyle is engaged. I really thought for a hot second they were going to say he was engaged to Hope, which is what happens in all of the fan fiction. But like, I really thought for a second that that's where they were going to go with this. I was, when I watched this the first time, I'm literally sitting there as he's explaining it with my fingers crossed. Please say Hope. Please say Hope. Please say Hope. And he did it. Yeah. I was like, I know that's what happens in fan fiction, but I was like, I really hope that makes it, you know, canon. But it did not, alas. Was, yeah, he he reconnected with a high school buddy at like the Chicago Magic Mile Marathon something or other. Yeah. Um, And now they're engaged. Now they're engaged. And so, okay, like 
this was was necessary but it wasn't necessary it was necessary as in it like it was the catalyst for brett to realize what she yes. had to do it yes. was not necessary in that she's an ex and well, it engaged. was not necessary that it had to have been kyle like i think you could have done this with so many other characters or so many other things mm-hmm. like i understand that it was the catalyst for brett ultimately ending things with Casey but like I don't think it needed to be Kyle and first of all and second of all Teddy Sears without the facial hair just look it just is not a good look on the man I did not appreciate it was honestly so distracting to me really yes it was way distracting didn't really it didn't bug me too much and more bugged me that like he's he's now engaged and he's going to see his ex-fiance I mean, yeah, well, I mean, and it had been one thing, too, I think, like, if we had seen Kyle pop up, like, on any of his other previous trips to Chicago, that it sounds like he makes a lot, mm-hmm. but, like, presumably two or three years later, however long it's been, it's like, okay, now you're showing up when you apparently come to Chicago all the time? Like, okay. Um, but like I said, I think that, I understand why they did it. it. Like you said, it was, Kyle was the catalyst for, you know, him saying the stars aligned, you know, I, like, I get it, but it's just, like, you probably could have done that with so many other characters. I mean, yeah, but who else would have had that effect on her, though? I don't I mean, like, she probably hasn't talked to Harrison in, like, no, a decade. No, I'm not saying, but did it have to be an ex? I don't think, I don't think anybody else would have had the same magnitude. I mean, I guess, but. I mean, it could have maybe been, what's his name? Scott? Amelia's father? Yeah. But. But Scott's the one, like, so Scott already told her something like that, but Scott's the one that basically pushed her to go to Portland full time. I mean, you know, for that month or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. But yeah. um, anyway. Sylvie handles it like a pro though. Like she, you can tell she's sad, but like, and and it's not that she's sad as in like, oh, my ex-fiance is like taking that, that no. one around again. She's sad because it because what she it knows, means to her. Yeah. Yeah. That it shows that everybody's moving on with their lives and doing their thing and she's not. Yeah. Uh, so the episode ends the very last scene of the episode she's on the phone with matt our stars just didn't align that's all the timing just wasn't right but matt maybe someday oh it's the end of an era I, you know, I, I've already even seen, even though as of today recording this, like the, nobody else has seen it except for us. Um, but I've already seen a lot of Bretzy people being like, I don't understand. This is so stupid. The writing's so stupid. And I like, I get it. Like, I trust me, I, you guys know, like from listening to the podcast, like I'm a huge Bretzy fan. Like, that's who I think, you know, I do think that they're meant to be together, but like, it's really hard. And I don't, I don't want to put the blame on, like, Derek and Andrea and the other writers because what are they going to do? Have Matt just, like, and Brett be together and, like, they don't know if Jesse's ever going to come back and just have them, like, like, that's not, I don't want that either. Just to say that Brett's still together, even if it's long distance, like, I don't want to see Brett feel like she's pigeonholed, you know, and Kara into so many, like, there's so many lack of storylines she can have because she's, like, technically together. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, it sucks, but I don't know what else the writers were going to do. I don't think there's any blame in this situation. I think this is just life. And it just, like, yeah, and it does suck that, like, it's poor timing that, like, 
you know, they took a long, yeah, it was a slow burn. Like it took a long time for them to get together. Mm -hmm. And then it sucks that we only got five episodes before Jesse Spencer decided to leave the show. Yeah. Yeah, it really sucks. It really does suck. But also I don't think they could have rushed Brett C any faster because Casey was coming off of his divorce from Gabby. So mm-hmm. like, it's not like they could have gotten together in and nobody would have ever seen Brett and Casey together right away. So like that wouldn't have made sense either. Like they had to do a slow burn in order to honor the characters. And it just sucks that like, it just sucks that Jesse had to leave the show, you know, at the same time. But like, you can't, there is no good person to blame. It just, it just sucks. It just sucks all around. It just shook out the way it shook out. And really, there's a lot of art imitating life in this whole situation, right? Because you've got Kyle saying the stars didn't align. That's exactly what has happened in the whole situation. And it's the same thing. And I mean, granted, I'm not one to sit here and defend Dossie, but like, it's the same thing that happened when Monica left the show. What were they going to do? Have Gabby and Casey stay married? just because in while Gabby's off in Puerto Rico and she doesn't know how long she, no there is a reason that Gabby and Matt ultimately got divorced and it's because Monica left the show and yeah it sucks that the same thing is happening again just on the other side of the coin and instead of it happening to Casey Casey's the one that left but like it's just life it's just the way it kind of all shook out and there's no one to blame in this situation and it's certainly not the writer's fault to deal with it it, you know a shitty hand in the best way they felt but like it just is what it is right and i still feel like that at some point down the line even if they end up having brett in another relationship i still feel like at some point down the line whether the show ends first or kara decides to leave first i still feel like they could have casey come back and like have them go off and be together i still Mm -hmm. really do feel like that yeah yeah even though i don't think they're gonna have kara back in a relationship at least this season i think that's like way too much but oh yeah um and I'm not going to say, you know, depending on how long it be, that can't, you're never going to, you can never say never, but I just feel like they could still have it and happy for Bretzy. And like you said, maybe someday the stars just didn't align. And like we were just saying with Ethan in April, just because it doesn't work out now, doesn't mean that it can't work out in a year from now, in three years from now, in five years from now. It's, you, it's not that they don't love each other and it's not that they can't make it. They just, timing sucks. My heart breaks in pieces for sylvie because this is not the first time this has happened no it's not i i just hope and and i empathize with this before i met my fiance very very soon to be husband i was convinced i was like i was like this isn't gonna happen for me like i'm gonna be alone forever and you start to question your worth and i just really hope that brett is not in that headspace mentally. I hope she doesn't get to that point and she realizes that it was just two unfortunate circumstances. It has no reflection on who she is as a person. Well, and I think it goes a long way to say that she did it first, that she's the one that made that call. Because I think she, because she's the one that realized it, I don't think she's going to end up in that headspace. What I hope she does is I hope she channels it. And obviously I think next week is a paramedicine episode. Mm -hmm. I hope she really channels it into like making paramedicine a good program and like, you know, throws it all into her life professionally you know um and really flourishes that way but yeah I I I hate seeing sad Sylvie like I I really hate it I really do and it really like I said it really sucks that it just didn't work out but like I've seen a lot lot of Bretzy people already like said and they haven't even seen the episode at this point just being like the writers suck this is so out of character blah 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 like and it just I don't know what and as I say this is a diehard Bretzy fan I don't know what else they would have done and I think they kind of made the best of a terrible, terrible situation. Just like even when the Dossie stuff happened, it's like, 
what were they going to do? Have Matt and Gabby be married forever off screen? Mm-hmm. And it's why I worry about Upstead. I really worry about because it's the same feeling. What are they going to do? Have Upstead married forever off screen? And we even said the same thing when we were having conversation the other night about Stellaride. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost would, as much as it would suck, you know, if it ever comes a time for Taylor and or Miranda to leave, they kind of have to leave together. Or else we're going to be in the same situation again. And it's like, what do you do? Divorce Stellaride? Right. Like, and it sucks that we kind of are now, like, you have to prepare yourself that way or whatever. Like, it just sucks. But, like, it is the reality, you know? Yeah. It really sucks, though. It really, really sucks. It does really suck. And, look, I mean, we know Bretzy Nation is is strong and vocal. Mm-hmm. If this is the final straw for you and you don't want to watch the shows anymore, that's, that's okay. Fine. That's okay. Yeah. And we respect that. Totally respect it. But I just I I will say I don't think writers or other fans, you know, I don't think anyone else then deserves your hatred either. Like you can say the situation sucks because it does suck, but I don't think other people deserve the hate. Yeah. Yeah. Save that energy for something else. Yeah. Throw it into your journal or something like that. But or do what Sylvie's gonna do and take that energy and maybe throw it into creating something. Yeah. So yeah. It really sucks though. I I I my heart goes out to the Bretzy Shippers for sure. It's sad. I was thinking about it today, like how like almost basically a year ago well a little over a year ago now like when Derek came on at the end of season nine you know him giving me all the crap for like you know watching Bretzy scenes a hundred times and the fact that he was basically telling me I was gonna watch their sex scene a hundred times like the fact that Derek was basically implying that and like now we're here and it's just like you know it sucks it really does it does for sure and otherwise, like, it's the one blemish, and I don't hate the way they handled this, but it's just, like, it's the one blemish in what I otherwise thought was, like, a great premiere. Like, I really loved Fire. And it sucks that it's kind of tainted with a Bretzy breakup, but, like. But again, there was there was no other alternative. Right. I don't know what else. And I, like I said, it's why I worry about Upstead. I really, I, I do. I just do. It's the reality of, like, when one half of a relationship leaves, like, what are they going to do? And it's not to say that it can't happen. It just, I feel like pigeonholes then that half of the relationship that stayed into a corner there's only then so much they can do with that character that's interesting if you have them like married or you know in a relationship with someone who we never see right right so any other notes on fire no but i'm excited i'm excited too. i think i'm excited hokami's together stellaride strong like literally the only two thing good things we got going right now like just gonna like breathe in that energy yeah absolutely absolutely so all right stretch it out oh pd time i feel like we're going to be doing a lot of this this season with pd and like big stretches yeah like oh this is not fun but we got to talk about it kind of stretches this is not no i'm yeah i'm gonna say something that could sound a little bit bold but based on this premiere it's shaping up to make season six look like a masterpiece yeah this was not that great this was this was bad this wasn't bad and i don't want to say it was badly written because i don't think pd episodes were never badly written or anything like that but it's just like this is not what any of us want this is not what we signed up for like not what we want 
if I remember correctly, I think Scott Gold wrote this one and he's a pretty strong writer. Yeah. Like I said, it's not badly written. It's just not what none of us want this. None, none of, of us, us want, this. want this. That's exactly, exactly what it is. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's been, there's been a time jump. We don't know if it's two weeks, like all the other shows, but there's been a time jump. And, and no, because they say, you know, I've given him two weeks to, you know, fight, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's been two weeks. That's why I'm saying Matt, I think, has to do a time jump at some point. So we left, we flashed back to where we left off last season and we cut to Voight riding around Little Village. And so we cut over to everybody in their dress blues and they're wondering whether or not Voight's going to show up. And so Ruzik gets there and he's like, look at this, I'm not the last one. It's cute though. And Kim's just like, yeah, you, you just got, you just walked up. And so Trudy makes a comment about like his private patrol getting out of hand. So what he has been doing is he's had the team like doing other stuff while he's been on this one man, one man mission to atone for Anna's death. Kind of like Dylan was doing with Milena. Yep. And he's just been kind of patrolling little village himself. Nope. Okay. So we're, we're doing this whole dress blue ceremony, right? The whole time I'm like, okay, tell me, tell me Berserk Water's getting promoted. Like just, that's gotta be what it is. They're getting promoted. They're getting awards of valor for taking down Los Tomitos. Yeah. And that's great and all, don't get me wrong. Fantastic. Love it that they're getting a commendation. But as they zoom in on each one of their faces, like I noticed, you know, uh, the, the hats that Berserk I know, Water I was going to say, I, I was going to say, this is the first time I've ever noticed that the hats are different and that the hats say detective and on Burgess, Burgess, Burgess Waters, it doesn't. And I, it's the first time I've noticed that. Okay. What are we waiting for? Who knows at this point? What, what, are, what are we waiting for? That's, that's my question. Why haven't we promoted them yet? And you can't even say that like, oh, they've just like forgotten about it or whatever because they clearly haven't because they had to get the details right for like things like this so they're clearly still very much officer atwater officer burgess officer ruzik and it's like what are you what are we waiting for are they and i think we've had this conversation before but are we to believe that burzik water is doing detective level work for patrol officer pay i don't know if it's patrol officer level pay i'm sure there is like a range of you know like if you're working for a specialized unit even as an officer you get more money than just like someone who's on patrol, but I'm sure they're getting paid less than uh, upstead. Okay. Granted, I realize it's only been two weeks, right? And that's not enough time to like have somebody go through the detective course or anything. And I don't even know if it's possible to like meritoriously promote somebody to detective, but it again, what are we waiting for? Why haven't we addressed this? I I'm looking at, can you meritorious, can you get a meritorious promotion to detective? I'm Googling it. Because I am curious. Um, this is Marines. That's not necessarily what I wanted. Oh, interesting. Okay, this is, hold on. In 2019, this is an article from the Chicago Tribune. Chicago police to suspend controversial merit promotion selection process. Ooh. Which I ha- don't have time to read the article, but I guess... Oh, wait, hold on. This is the first paragraph. Police interim superintendent said he was suspending the department's practice of promoting officers to ranks of detective, sergeant, and lieutenant, regardless of exam scores, halting a promotional process long criticized by many rank-and-file cops and decried in a U.S. Department of Justice report on the city's policing practices. So I guess in Chicago, they used to be able to, and now you can't. 
And this okay. is like relatively recently. So this is 2019, end of 2019. But still, even in like off time when we're not seeing episodes, that we can just be like, oh, hey, like you finished your detective coursework. Congrats. Yeah. Somebody's got to get promoted at some point. Like, I don't understand. Right. Right. It's been 10 years. 10 fucking years. Exactly. Exactly. And Adam's been in intelligence for all 10 of them. Yeah. So is, uh, so is Kevin. Well, and granted, Adam is the newbie because he's went straight from the academy to intelligence. So, yeah. mate, But, like, you're telling me that Kevin or Kim, who've been on the job clearly longer than Adam, like, neither one of them can take their detective exam? I don't understand. What are we waiting for? At this point, it's just getting frustrating. It's just like, it's it's just a running joke at this point that it's never going to happen. Yeah. And that's not a joke that we like. No. No, it's not. So the new chief notices that Hank's not there and they cut over to this bar that Voight's at and Voight's having a drink and this guy shows up and Voight goes Voight on him. We're like four minutes into the new season and Voight's already like kicking people's asses. Yep. So... Voight asks him about some bag of drugs, but the guy swears it's not his product. And he just says, like, nobody's dumb enough to deal in this neighborhood. It's clean and safe. I'm telling you the, tr- the truth. Like, nobody wants to deal with a lunatic cock. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Yep. If you're calling him a lunatic cop. And he's doing all these things. Yeah. It's a duck. It is a duck. Okay. So Voight hears a woman call out for help and he runs out and he finds her with a little boy who has very clearly OD'd, very clearly. Mm -hmm. So an ambulance is way too far out. So Voight loads him in the back of the car and like rushes them to med. And so he calls Jay and Jay is like really secretive about it. And so Haley's really hesitant to go meet Voight. Like she doesn't want to go with him and Jay is just trying to justify it. And so she's like, I don't think Voight's okay. And he just says, he just needs time. He just needs time. So Jay decides to go meet Voight and let the rest of intelligence work on the case that the new chief wants them on. Important to note that even though it's not really that important, but we do get a Will Halstead sighting at med with Voight. We so do. we did get three for three, like little mini crossovers. I like it. I'll take it. Same, same. So yeah, I mean that. that it, I feel like every single time Jay says something that's on Voight's side, he's going against what he knows or what he truly believes. He's forcing himself to think something else, and I don't know why. Well, I mean, I th- I think it's because it, it's because it's probably the only way he can still work in the unit at this point. But like that doesn't. I don't know. I mean, I get it, and like. I get it to some extent, but also, like, at what point is compromising yourself and your morals just to stick in your job? I mean, like, at what point is that worth it? Which is exactly what I think they're setting up for, but we'll get to that at the end. We'll get to that at the end. So Jay meets up with Voight as he's going through the boy's parents' car, and the beat cop mentions that the local corner store owner lets people get high in the basement. So it's kind of like a, it's like the clinic Will was working for, except, like, very not- that but um they go check it out and they find the boy's parents and they're so high that Voight can't even get them to wake up so they don't find out who's selling the drugs but they do find out the location of where they can be bought so 
Voight and Jay go back to the bullpen and Voight basically like completely takes over the carjacking case they're working on. I, Voight is definitely spinning out, but like, I, I don't like any of this. No, no, no. It's just, it, there is so much unhealthy tension amongst everyone in this unit right now. And it's just, it's not a good situation. And it's not even something that's making for entertaining drama or like good TV. It's it's bringing down the whole show, frankly. It's just uncomfortable. Very, very. PD is becoming very heavy and like it's becoming a big weight is what mm-hmm. it is. So yeah. they, so yeah. So Boyd and Jay go back to the bullpen. They stake out the corner, Haley and Jay do, and they get a call from Platt saying that the new chief is looking for Void again. And we'll just play this out. How long do you think we can keep this up for? It's West Side Chicago. Drug vacuum's never gonna stay empty long. I know. We can't be a unit dedicated to one neighborhood, no matter how guilty we feel. You have nothing to feel guilty about. Boy, it'll be all right. You know it's not your job to help them through that though, right? I know. There's gonna come a point when you can't manage him without changing. I said I know. Who is this Jay? Like, I really feel like I'm watching a different guy and I don't know him. I'm like, who is this? I think he's, I think he's like, I think he's forcing himself to, to believe this. That I think it's the only way he can make, make peace with himself for staying in the unit this long. But I, this, the whole time I watched this episode, this entire thing, I had a lump in my throat the whole time because I just wanted to cry and be like, why does he have to leave? Well, and I told you this the other day. That if you had told me, if you had not told me that Jay was leaving, that Jesse was leaving, and I just watched this episode, I would have told you I thought Haley was leaving. I would have told you that they were setting up for Upton to leave, not Jay. That's what it seems like. Because she's so uncomfortable with how things are going. She's the one that is, you know, going against Voight and ultimately going against her own husband. Like, I would have said that they're they're making a Tracy exit, not a Jesse exit. If you had just told me based on this episode, that's what it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. It really, really does. So um, after that scene, they see Davey, which is the guy that Voight was talking to at the bar. And so they tell Ruzik to pull back. So they bring him in for questioning. He swears he's not involved, that whole thing, as they do in every episode. But Voight flat out is like, I will pay you 20 grand if you help. And... So Boyd tells Upstead, he's like, okay, well, go find a cop who can go undercover with Enzo and make this big buy. Re-enter Torres. Torres is back. My one complaint about this thing is I feel like there's a scene missing. Because you're telling me, like, Torres kind of seemed happy to see Jay, which, like, is fine. But, like, based on, because it also, because it's fresh in my brain, because we literally just talked about this episode last week. They didn't leave each other. They didn't leave things in a great place. So you're telling me, like, what changed in the fact that, like, Taurus now kind of seems happy to see Jay and, like, that wasn't how things were when they last left each other? It means in the white space, they they iron things out and they I know, that's what I'm saying. Other. I feel like, but I feel like there's a scene, like I said, I feel like there's a scene missing. Right, right. I'm just saying, but I, I know in the I- white space, it, you know, whatever, it all worked itself out, but, like... I feel like if you're bringing Torres back in the unit, it's probably best to have a scene being like, yeah, we hashed everything out. We're cool. 
But I also think that if they had included that in this episode and made it seem like it happened two weeks later, it would have seemed too little too late. Like now I'm only coming to like smooth things over with you now because I need something. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I don't think there's a problem with that. Because I don't necessarily believe that Jay went and apologized right after that. I mean, I don't necessarily think he had any, well, I mean, he, yeah, he could apologize. No, he, but Jay think, needed to apologize. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a bigger conversation they needed to have. Yeah. I just, like I said, well, and I just feel like, especially because you're bringing in Torres, as we know now, as a series regular, you're telling me, like, I just feel like there was something missing. And again, mm-hmm. I love seeing Torres and I did really like him and, you know, going undercover or whatever. I just feel like there was something missing in the way they reintroduced him. Right. And right. that was my worry all along is that the Voight, Haley, Jay stuff is going to overshadow them bringing Torres in the proper way. Mm-hmm. And I'm already like starting to see it. And it sucks. So Torres and Davey go to meet up with Enzo, but Enzo's high AF and he's talking to the tree. <laughs> so... Enzo's hesitant to meet new people, but he does warm up to Torres and the plan goes sideways because Enzo wants them to go with him, but Voight's like, no, like play out. Yeah. But they're not set up to go mobile. So Voight's like, no, like let it keep going, whatever. Haley entirely disagrees. She's like, no, this is a rip. Like we're, we're, he's going to die. Like it's a rip. Mm-hmm. But Jay tries to justify it. Jay's like, look, if Torres feels like it's wrong, he'll call it. He'll call it. And Haley just says he's a PPO on loan to us. Like he's not going to call it and he shouldn't have to. That is a lot of responsibility. I mean, she's right. Yeah, she's she's right. Like it's not on Torres. Like, yeah, Torres does have every right to say that, like, if he doesn't feel comfortable doing it, he can back out and whatever. But like he it shouldn't be on him. Like Haley should know. Like They all know that this is not a great situation. This is not the way it should be going down. But no one's got the guts except Haley to be like, no, this is wrong. Like it shouldn't be on Torres, who's a brand new rookie to be like, we're stopping this. And it may have always been this way, but I really feel like intelligence is becoming a hostile work environment. Yeah. It's very much click. I mean, we've said this for a long time. It's very clicky. It's very much like you got Berzik water, you've got Upstead, and you've got Void. And now Torres is going to have to find his way into all of this kind of, I don't know where he's going to fit in, but like, yeah. And you've got Torres coming in. You've got Jay going out. Nobody is going to have his back except for maybe Haley. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know where Torres is going to fit in. I Like I said, I really think this whole thing is overshadowing the proper way he should be brought it i just i don't know i just yeah 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 Yeah. and torres has no idea he's just going in doe-eyed as a new cop being like yay i get to make a want me back like i love this this is great yeah i get that that's the it's a high stakes job but also i mean it shouldn't be a given that like oh he's got a high chance of dying in this situation yeah Ugh. So Enzo takes him to some abandoned house and Haley's convinced that like shit's going to go down. So she decides to get closer. I support this decision. Here's the thing. I agree. I think Haley did the right thing. That being like, you know what? Fuck this. If no one else is going to have horses back in this moment, I'm going to have it. Mm -hmm. I think though, where she was wrong is I think she probably knew that she was also putting by her getting out of the car and going closer that she was also putting towards his wife at the risk like i think Haley had the best Haley had the best intentions but by not being on the same page as everyone else in the unit she also risked Torres' life it begs the question was voight's call the right one though 
No, and I agree. Like I said, I think Haley was right. I think Haley was right to say, fuck this. Like, th- we can get after him a different way. Like, we were not prepared for this. Like, Torres is at risk. Like, we should be cautious. I do think Haley was right. But I think what Haley maybe doesn't see is that she also put Torres at risk because she wasn't on the same page as everyone else. Mm-hmm. I think whether they decided to hold back or go on, they all needed to be on the same page. Right. Right. And by Haley doing acting by herself, she then also risked Torres' life. And that's the part I don't disagree I, that I disagree with. I think Haley's intentions were right. I just don't think she handled it right either. I see that. I definitely see that. And it's not the first time we've seen her do that. No. But it also begs the question that I think we're going to be asking a lot more with, with PD on a weekly basis now is where is the line? Where's the line between, like, where do you draw the line between blindly following your boss and saying, you know what, this isn't right? Yeah. No, I agree. Like I said, I agree with everything Haley said. I agree with, the, you know, I agree with it. I do. I just also think she didn't calculate maybe everything and she just thought she was doing the right thing mm-hmm. and it ended up not being necessarily the right thing. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah, she gets closer and Void is pissed. Void's pissed. So, yeah, so she hits the fence, like, as she, she, like, doesn't take into account, like, the the fence is probably going to creak, and so Enzo hears it, and he gets really paranoid fast, and so Enzo starts shooting and escapes, but nobody's injured, like, it's fine, it's fine, so they do find drugs, but then Voight has the audacity to talk to Haley like this. All right, get outside, find me Enzo. Not you. Stop. Explain. Torres was going in blind and unarmed, and it looked like he was going to be jacked. And that's your call to make? No, it's not. But you haven't been making many calls in the last two weeks. You're on a one-man mission to patrol one block of this city. I get it. I do. But boy, you can barely even look at me. I know you blame me for Anna's death. And I know that you're not okay. You're dragging this you and you're dragging Jay through the mud with you. And you're gonna lose them both. So yeah, I made a call. You're done. Which then begs the question, why does Haley stay? That's what I'm saying. That if you had told me that Jesse, that I didn't know Jesse was leaving, and I just watched this episode, I would have said that Tracy's. I would have said Haley's leaving the unit. That is what this episode makes it seem like. And I think that would have been. And again, not that I want Tracy to leave or whatever, but like story wise, I think that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. For what? I, because she's over it. She realizes now that she was manipulated by Voight's bullshit, you know, during the whole Roy stuff and whatever. And she sees the other side now and she's like, fuck this. Like, this isn't right. She has, she has grounds this time. I feel like sometimes when she's stood up to him in the past, it's been purely emotional and not yes, like, a hundred percent, a hundred thousand percent, hundred thousand percent right in this one. Right. And Voight just, and I, 
I think she's right too that he does blame her, whether that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. He does clearly blame her, but if he just owned up to the fact, they could all move past this. And no one's saying that Boyd, Boyd's feelings, which I this sounds terrible to say, Boyd's feelings about Anna, however much we don't understand them or whatever, his feelings about her death and his grief over her death is very valid. Right. It is. And if he feels that, even though I don't think this is right, if he feels that Haley is responsible for Anna's death and that he doesn't agree with her shooting Anna, that's also a valid feeling. And Voight has every right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Even, again, I don't agree with that, but he does. But the way that he is taking it out, and like Haley says, she's like, you can barely look at me. Like, And by not acknowledging your feelings, you're just dragging the unit through the mud, you're dragging Jay through the mud, you're dragging me through, like, you're doing, you're doing more harm by, like, holding in your feelings. Your feelings are valid, but just let them out, like, so we can all move past this shit. That's what, hey, I mean, that's what it is. It is, but also the way that these two work together and the way that he talks to her, this is not a healthy relationship at no. all. No, but it hasn't been healthy. And I'm not saying this is makes it any better because it doesn't, but it hasn't been healthy in seasons. I've said it once and I will say it again. Part uh, This is a borderline abusive relationship. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Like, it's really bad. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it was unhealthy last season, but it's getting even worse this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Oh, so back to Enzo. Enzo was spotted hot wiring in a skate car a few blocks away. They track him down to an old girlfriend's place. He starts a shootout and a chase. He ends up in a building. He says he's going to kill everyone if they don't leave. And while they're trying to figure out the solution, Voight just busts in the back without a care in the world. Yep. He doesn't care if he ends up killing Haley and Jay and Torres in the situation. He just, he's like, fuck this. Which is exactly what he just reamed Haley for doing. Yep. So thankfully, Torres creates a diversion at like just the right time while Voight shoots Endo straight in the head. Yep. Yeah. So we go back to the district and Voight and Haley and Jay have what we call a come to Jesus meeting. Uh, We're going to talk. And we're only going to do this once. Then we're never talking about it again. I'm okay. I'm fine. No. I am okay. Look, I, I'm always going to be okay. Look, Haley, I can look you in the eye. And his death was my fault, mine alone. You don't believe that? You are not my keeper. And you're not each other's. Look, I'm making choices you don't like. That is on me. He's making choices you don't like. That is on him. Him alone. We got to be done with all of this now. It ever shows up on the job again. The three of us, 
We're not working together anymore, understood? It's that simple. Jay's face in this moment, it 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 says everything. Jay's over yeah. it. He's done. He doesn't like he everything that's coming out of Hank's mouth, he's just like, I'm done. Yeah. But I still think though, I feel like Haley's more done than he is. I mean, I feel like they it it, it feels that way. Well, Yes and no. I think I think it's it's like they were saying in the descriptions that they're handling it a different way, right? Like Boyd's or Haley's just saying what she sees. She's saying what she feels. I think Jay's trying to rationalize him. Like he's Jay's trying to rationalize, trying to rationalize too much. But I for what? Like I don't. So that's what I don't understand. Is Jay has never been Jay has never been one to rationalize Boyd's, you know, methods and whatever. He's always just and maybe it's some degree, but not like this. I mean, like. This is just such a different level. And it's like, I told you the other day, like, I feel like I'm watching a different Jay. I really do. Yeah. And I think, I think that segues into the way that he's going to leave. I think, I think he's going to realize that like, he can't do this anymore. It seems like what the, that's what they're shaping up for is that, you know, he can't do this anymore. He's never going to change Void. I mean, even, even Haley mentioned that earlier that like, you know, you've got to change. The so. thing that I don't understand with that though, is mm-hmm. that, then why craft it as it also seems like Haley's so done with it? You would think if they were just having Jay leave, mm-hmm. that they would craft it as, like, in the reverse, almost. That Haley would be the one just trying to justify Voight's actions, and that Jay would be the one so fed up with it. Right? That's yeah. why it seems so much like, and if you had told me, again, that Jesse wasn't leaving, if I didn't know Jesse was leaving the show, I would say that Haley's the one that's leaving based on this this episode alone and that's what i don't understand like that's the whole thing i just don't understand about this and why then when you read the episode description about the army stuff like it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it doesn't at all and i i will be able to find peace with this if he is like i can't do this anymore i need to leave like i can forgive the error in character development for the last two seasons yes i agree a thousand percent i can make peace with that I don't know if I can make peace with it if he reenlists. I don't know. I I just I I'm so lost and I I'm so lost. I don't know anymore. And that sounds too. I just I don't know anymore. I don't. But the other thing too is that I mean, if he does decide that he can't do this anymore, it sucks. And there's no other way to say it sucks. Like there's just no other way to to express that, right? Yeah. It absolutely sucks. But it makes sense. How many more seasons can we have Voight and Jay butting heads and Jay just kind of caving at the end and being like, you're good for this city? There, He did not mean a word of that when he said that in the mid-season in season nine. Yeah. I I mean, how many times have I screamed from the roof that that is so out of character? And I know writers hate when we, us fans, say the phrase out of character. But God, I mean, we've spent so much time with Jay that like, when you have something that is literally the opposite of what he's been saying for at that point, eight and a half seasons, it's like, what else do you call it other than out of character? It just, like you said, the only way I can be at peace as much as it's still going to suck regardless of Jay and Jesse leaving is if Jay is just like you said, you know what? I'm done. But again, I find the turnaround and the thing that I'm still just so confused by is how do we go from Jay trying to justify for Voight and stand up for Voight kind of in this episode to then literally in the span of two episodes later being like, I'm done. 
I think he's going to have the realization that him trying to justify voice actions, it, like he's, I think he's going to realize that like, wait, I'm not, this isn't good for anybody. This is not what I believe. I'm just making myself believe this. And maybe the best way to deal with this once and for all is to remove myself from the situation, which again, it sucks, but it's very true to life, right? If you have a toxic boss, you're not going to stay there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and the, but and again, if, if we're in normal life, you would say that it's probably going to be good for his marriage for him to take himself out of the situation. What I worry about, though, when it comes to the marriage is in TV land, obviously, we just talked about this with Bretzi, is, I mean, I don't understand how they're going to keep married. I just don't. And, like, it sucks. And I'm not saying they're getting a divorce or breaking up or anything in two episodes because I don't believe that. But you're going to tell me, and maybe they do, maybe because it's Petey and Petey does things so weird and we don't understand it anyway, Mm -hmm. that, like, maybe they do keep Upstead together. And I I hope they do because I don't think Upstead would get divorced. I just, I don't believe that. But it's just, like, the reality of when one half of a ship leaves that, like, a breakup is imminent imminent i cannot say that word imminent i just and i hate saying that but it's just like it's in the back of my head now yeah and i fear for what's to come with upstead yeah i just do that wasn't in my head until we started recording and now i'm like shit but and i'm not saying it's happening this season i mean granted pretzi made it a whole season essentially you know mm-hmm. before they actually had the breakup like i'm not saying it's happening but like I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Realistically, I have to sit back and think about, yes, in real life, I think that Haley and Jay would be fine. Or in real life, as in the PD world, real life, I think they would be fine. But like, when I think about it as a television show, I try to like, at least brace myself for the possibility that the writers may be like, you know what? They're not together anymore. And I hope they don't go that route. I yeah. Trust me, I hope they don't go that route. Because I think it would be so out of character. Again, I'm using that phrase for upset to get a divorce, breakup, whatever. I do. Right. But like, I just don't know. Right. I don't know. I'm trying to brace myself for the possibility that it could happen. I'm going to do the very emotionally healthy thing of avoiding that. And I'm just not going to think about that until we cross that, until we cross that bridge. I'm going to cross yeah. that bridge and we get to it. Very healthy. Healthy coping skills. Yeah. And this is why we're struggling with this so badly. And I think all of us are is because like you said earlier, we've had this character. We've known Jay for 10 years now. You form relationships with these characters. And I think it's also hard because, again, it's happening three episodes in. If you had told me we get one more full season to flesh out a Jay leaving story, you know, that works. I could at least, I mean, granted, I would still hate it because I don't want to see Jay gone. But it would be a little probably easier to grasp how the change comes, like why he comes to that realization that now's the time to leave, why he didn't leave five years ago, or like whatever. Like, But we're getting it in three episodes, and that is just not enough time. It's not enough time to craft a goodbye that we fans deserve to say to Jay. It's just not. Right. And we will never be happy with it because three, I mean, no, ep- no amount of episodes would be enough time to say goodbye. But like three episodes compared to 22, I mean, that's bullshit and never mind that but the like seeing him in this episode with the team it just the show feels right when they're all together mm-hmm. all of them yeah it's not going to feel right when he's gone 
No, it's not. And it'll never, and like I said, it would never feel right. And even if this was Jesse's choice to leave, it would still not feel right. We'd be more at peace with it, but it would not feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think I just, you know, watching this episode, it made me realize, you know, like we've talked about it even last week, like we're missing out on Torres J. Like we were so excited for that. And like, there were so many possibilities there. And like, we're just not getting any of that. Like, you know, like, I'm just, I'm really sad for, like, this episode really just made me be like, damn. Yeah, PD is, PD is quickly becoming something that it wasn't last season. It's becoming painful to watch. It's, it really makes this feel like the PD section is doing homework that I have to do. And, and like, we haven't even gotten to Jesse's exit yet. Nope. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm. I like we've said we're gonna take it you know a little bit at a time we're not saying we're never gonna cut co- we're still gonna cover pd that mm-hmm. is our plans we're not jumping ship or anything like that but it definitely is like feeling more like med used to and, and a very different but like med in the beginning was like yeah it's not my favorite like it's not that great but like you know we have to watch anyway we're covering all three shows it is what it is but pd is now like kind of like that it's like eh, pd is not great i'm not enjoying it but like i gotta cover it yeah and and this kind of this kind of a lot of this is because of what we get in this last scene here too is um yeah basically Voight goes back up to the bullpen and he's met by the new chief and he drops off Voight's award of valor medal and Voight tosses it in the trash and then we get this I never thought I'd see Patty O'Neill and Chief Stars <laughs> no me neither I wanted to die in narcotics I could have spent my whole life busting in trap rooms stash houses going after men with three bricks. But there's a lot more crime in Chicago right now than bastards and bricks. The city's gone to hell. Tide's turning back to police. Hmm. That's the part where you tell me you're different from all the rest? Yeah. I'll give you a long leash. More cash. You get that kid Torres that you like, signed up here permanent. You can handpick your cases. But? But you gotta give up the block now. Los Tomitos, that case, and Avalos. You gotta let that go now. I gave you two weeks, I can't give you more. I didn't realize you were being so generous. I got Anna Avalos's payment pushed through the red tape. Over a half million is going to San Rafa in Iowa. I know you were trying to do that. It's done now. This whole city's going to hell. Let's get back to saving it. Okay. Okay. So, so what you're telling me is that. The new chief is basically just like Boyd. I see. That's not how I saw this at all. I actually thought it was really interesting that like this guy is willing to literally give Boyd everything he wants, right? To say like I'm not going to oversee you. You can get more cash to do your stuff. Like Torres can come up here and be like in intelligence full time. Like you can literally pick whatever case you want, but like stop doing what you're doing. Stop 
you know, the block is done. Like, you can't do anything more for Anna. She's gone. Like, we've literally done, like, you just kind of have to start moving on. And Boyd's still just kind of like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to just, like, go on my, you know, way and just kind of be like, do whatever the fuck I want. The way I took this is that by him saying, I'm not going to oversee you, Boyd's going to go back to his old ways. And I think, I I don't know. I I mean, and I'm not saying I oppose that, but that's just not how I, like I said, I saw this as like the guy being like, look, I'm willing to work with you. And again, I'm not saying that's a great thing, but the guy is literally being like, unlike some of the other ones, I will work with you. I'm not saying I will accept everything you do, but I will literally work with you the best I can. And Boyd's still just like, yeah, fuck you. See, and I didn't take it that way. I didn't take it that way. I, I took it as the guy just being like, if you want to go back to being shady, go for it. And that's, that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm very frustrated with PD because why are we, why are we catering to Void? Why are we worshiping this man in this? Why is the CPD worshiping this man when you know what he does and you know, like, you know, his methods, even if he keeps it off book, like, why are we catering to this man? Well, and at this point, there is no way, like. It would almost seem out of character for Voight to have some character growth and, like, change from this. And I don't Mm -hmm. think he's going to. But if you told me we got this storyline in, like, season three, at, like, the end of season three, I would have still said there's some hope that Voight can change. And, like, use a moment like this where he clearly was really, for whatever reason, he saw Anna as a daughter or whatever, and use that to change him. But if you're telling me that, like, losing his son, losing Al, having Aaron up and leave, I mean... Everything that he's gone through hasn't changed him and hasn't been like the wake up call that he needs. There's nothing else that can change him. And I don't think Anna's death is going to do that, even though he clearly seems to be very affected by it. Anna's death is not significant enough. And yeah, and that brings up an even more interesting point, too, is that, I mean, you you try to shake things up, right? Why are you going to why are you going to keep a character who refuses to change? That does not make entertaining TV. Right. And why would you, if you are going to go that route or try to go that route, why would you do it in a character with a character that literally means nothing? Like Anna is a character who literally came in as a CI. And again, Voight clearly felt something for her, you know, like a daughter or whatever, but like, she literally means nothing in the grand scheme of things. And you're going to tell me that's the person that changes Voight if they were to go that route. Like that doesn't make sense either. Exactly. So if Void didn't change when um, Justin died, when Al died, when Aaron left, like when all those other shitty things happened, then like, I don't see what makes Anna so special. And at this point, it's just not going to happen. And like you said, if you're trying to shake things up, yeah, should have probably started with Void. And I just don't understand. And even if, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand. I look at SVU and like how Marishka has been there since forever but you look at Olivia versus Voight and Olivia's noble and there are, there are good qualities to her and she's adapted over the seasons and she grows as a character. And that's why she has stayed in that position is because she is relatable and she's, you know, you, you can watch her and see yourself in her and everything. And she's not an antagonist. Yeah, no, for sure. Hank Voight is an antagonist. Yes. And I think the thing is too, is that, We've never seen the thing that we've always said we wish that would happen, and it's never happened at this point, I don't think it is going to happen, is Voight's never been punished for any sort of his actions. 
Like everyone else around him got punished for his actions. Like Justin died, Al died, Aaron, you know, almost got caught too. I mean, like so many other people suffered because of Voight, but Voight himself has never suffered. And that to me would be really interesting TV. Like if I have to watch Voight, I want to see him suffer. I want to see him go through the ringer. Like be, you know, be like, yeah, you got, you did this thing. It was fucking wrong. And now you have to suffer the consequences that to me would actually be interesting if i'm gonna be stuck with void Mm -hmm. and it may or may not change him and at that point then you're like okay well what are we doing but if i if you're choosing to keep him around like punish the man and i think and i i think going back to what you had said about aaron and al and everybody and justin like i think that's what jay is gonna realize he's gonna be like if i stay here i'm gonna go down that route and i don't want that he would be the next person because upton almost went there and luckily upton Voight was able to save Upton. Mm-hmm. He was. Mm-hmm. Voight is the reason that Upton is still got her ass saved. Yeah. And Ruzik almost went there in a, in a lesser way. He almost went there for Antonio. And uh, well, Ruzik also almost went there for Voight, too. And thankfully he didn't. But like, right. I think Jay's, but Jay's gonna next. That. Jay's next. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to be Kim. It's not going to be Torres. It's going to be Jay. And it just, yeah. I'm, I really don't like the direction PD is going in right now. No, I would literally rather watch every other part. Like, I just, the other parts are fine. Like, I have no problem. I mean, Berzik's dance around each other sucks. But, like, I'd rather watch 10 more years of that mm-hmm. than this. Yes. As much as that would suck. Because it would. But it would suck for a different reason. Well, I mean, and and we've touched on this before. Burza can do that dance forever now because it means they're staying. Yeah. And again, give Atwater some stuff. Like, I'm like, and I've said it earlier, like, I'm so frustrated with the way they re brought Torres back in because it feels like they're doing him a disservice already. And I worry about what they're going to do, how they're going to introduce him in other episodes. But like, give me more. I loved what we saw of him tonight. And I'm really interested in him as a character. And I really just, like said, I worry that they're going to do him a disservice. I this whole thing it. is overshadowing him coming in. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But again, we don't know the circumstances. If this was Jesse's choice to leave, that means a, that changes a lot, right? But I will say, and I think it does change a lot. But I feel like at this point, given all the uproar that is on social media, I feel like Jesse being who Jesse is or that we seem to, as fans, know him to be, I feel like if it was his choice to leave, he would have already come out and said it. To give fans a peace of mind. And I just feel like his tweet, which says this is sad but true, is not what you say if you are if it's your choice to leave. I just don't. This was the wrong decision. Yep. Flat out. There's no other way to say it. This was the wrong decision. And I mean, and that's not to say that for we're going to spend all year. Hard. I mean, we might, you know, every episode be like, this sucks. This was the wrong decision because we can. But I think, you know, at some point, especially if we're going to continue covering the show, we do have to then ex- accept is a weird word, but like accept that this is what they've done and like watch the show for what it is. And we can criticize that point from that all we want, but it's going to hard to be like, what if Jay had stayed? Because, like, he just isn't around on more anymore. And that sucks. And I hate that we have to say accept. Because if you don't want to accept it and you want to stop watching the show, that's fine. But you and I have made the choice to, as of right now, continue watching the show and covering it. And 
you know, at some point we're going to have to just watch it for what it is and what they're giving us every week. And, you know. Yeah. And I, I do want to make this clear that like, you know, we, this was never something that we're like, we're going to be on the podcast for as long as Jay's on the show. That was never. Although I think we, I, I know I've said at one point that like, if Jesse ever left the show, I don't think I'd watch PD anymore. And I've changed my tune at that. I, I'm mm-hmm. still willing to at least give it a chance. And I think it does do a disservice to the other favorites that I do love, uh, you know, Tracy and Marina and Patty and LaRoyce and Amy and now Benjamin, like, I think I still love them enough to want to watch for them and support for them. And that may change over time, but right now that is where I'm at. Yeah. That, that is that, you know, we, we definitely, we definitely owe it to Marina and LaRoyce and Patty and Amy and Jason and, and especially now Benjamin, who's brand new coming into this. Um, yeah. And I just, I feel like it's worth repeating again. If you are choosing not to watch PD anymore, that is totally fine and valid. And we respect that. Mm-hmm. But Benjamin doesn't deserve any hate. And like his it it's just as simple as Benjamin took a job and like we don't know what the higher ups are thinking. And regardless of whether the higher ups chose, you know, did it as like Hayes replacing Jay, we don't know that. And I don't think Benjamin knows that. But like Benjamin just took a job and he doesn't deserve any hate. You know, I've seen a lot of people say, like, well, he's the new guy, he's the one. Like, it's not Benjamin's fault. Mm. It is not Benjamin's fault. He is lovely. We've now, as you guys know, got to like hang out with him a little bit on Zoom for, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. And he is lovely. He's so nice. Um, so sweet. And I hope we get we really are trying to get him on the podcast so you guys can get to know him outside of PD. Um, because I think that's gonna be really important, you know, in this transition. Um and yeah, I just, I hope you guys just don't hate on Benjamin because he doesn't deserve it. It's he not doesn't. his fault that Jesse's leaving the show and that he's, you know, it's it's not Benjamin's fault. Just leave Benjamin alone. Yeah, leave Benjamin alone, please. Um, it just, from, if, if this was not Jesse's decision, if this was a decision from higher up, it just feels very tone deaf. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're just saying, we don't give a shit what our fans think. Yeah. It, it feels very, it feels out of touch and it feels like they don't care about us. Yeah. And they, they're, they're so out of touch that they don't know. They don't know what we get out of the show and why we come back week after week. They don't know like the, the tangible things that like the joy we get out of it and like the different qualities that we get out of it. Yep. <sighs> we got real. Randy. We got real real today yeah there's i mean there's a lot in all three episodes there's a lot to unpack yeah i mean like i said you say goodbye i say hello that's just kind of the theme for the beginning of the season unfortunately that like we're saying hello to all these new characters you know april coming back we got new characters on med and fire and you know tours coming in but we're also unfortunately having to say goodbye to a bunch of people mm-hmm. and it sucks and that you know just the transition there's a lot of transition in all three shows this year it just it's not easy it's, it's really hard it's hard it's hard yeah for sure so i would ask if we have any other notes on pd but i know we don't no, no we, we said everything we needed to say and then some yeah Oof. Oof. okay so that's about all we've got for tonight if you're still listening if you're still listening it's probably after midnight like every time zone you live in but... uh yeah it's probably more like 2 a.m on the east coast yeah on the east coast oh my goodness okay so as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. 
we're on TikTok. We're on TikTok. And this week is going to be real good for TikTok. It's so funny. The other day, Noah, my brother, made a comment. He was like, he was like, why haven't I seen you on TikTok? And I was like, talking about the Mita Zamali's TikTok because now he follows it. And I was like, it's coming. It's coming. It's so coming. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's coming. I'm not saying I won't ever make a TikTok because I will, but like, it just hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not savvy enough in it. I haven't played around with it enough to know how to make my own TikTok yet. That's pretty much how I learned how to do everything. Is just like, I either Google my Google it or like trial and error. Yeah. So, but yeah. you're doing a great job. I think your TikToks are great. I really do. I'm trying, and I'm trying really hard to understand it too. Like the the Haley and Jay one that I posted, I thought was hilarious, and it only got like 200 views. Um, and then like the one I did of Herman and the bar got like 2,000 views, and I was like, okay, but the other one, I think there was another one I had posted that was like way more funny that didn't do as well, and I was like, okay, all right, Just trying yeah. to understand. So yeah, uh, don't forget Tea Public. We have a T public yes. store, the Patreon group. If you wanted to be like support the pod for as little as two dollars a month, the link to our Patreon group is in our socials. Please check that out. So many cool things going on. Uh, yeah, the Facebook group that comes a part of that bonus or discount. Yeah, bonus episode, discount code to the merch store, all that good stuff. So, uh, normal schedule. As long as there are new episodes, there are new episodes of the pod. Yeah, I, I think believe- we're going. We're back in a couple swing. weeks straight yeah yeah even your wedding there will be the day of your wedding there will be a new episode there will be an episode the day of my wedding yep i'm i'm i made that very clear i was like you are not to bother me for this three-hour window like the day yeah while well, we record the day before but yeah the day yeah. of your wedding there will be a new episode which there is will. i think you're crazy for it but whatever it's your life you can choose whatever you want to you you, you want to record for three hours I'm happy to have you. It's going to it's going to help keep me sane. No, I know. And the fact that like you're going to, you know, you're going to be in Liverpool, you know, you're miss a couple weeks, you know, Hawaii. Like you have some other traveling coming up in the fall that like is going to prevent you from being on the pod. So like I do get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, yeah. But yeah, normal schedule going forward. Um, you know where to find us on socials. Email us meetusmollys@gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brenna K13, and I know we mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but if you happen to miss our Miranda interview that we posted yesterday when you're listening to this, or our interviews with, you know, from the press day, which was Hanako Daniel, Alberto, Nick and Jesse, and Jason and Marina, make sure you check those out. Make sure you check out our Say What game. Um, Yeah, just lots of content that went up today. So if you've missed any of it, just make sure you go check it out. All right. Um, put your PJs on and go to sleep because it's late. So, um, you guys have a good weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye.